0: Now, three, two, one, go. Ladies and gentlemen, it all comes down to this. It's finally time to decide the top ten games of twenty twenty three. Welcome to Cooldown Times 2023 Game of the Year special. I am Marco, your graphically outdated host of the show. And joining me is the technical mess of the show, Pablo. Uh, Look, man, this is our uh, most important episode of the year where we finally get to sit down and rank all of our favorite games of the
1: year. Uh, How are you feeling, man? Are you ready to do this? Yeah, man. Uh, I've always looked forward to this episode. As soon as January 1 hits, I'm already kind of looking to see how... (laughs) How the end of year conversations will go down. It's always interesting i know uh last year uh particularly Marco had some interesting <laughs> omissions or different set different kind of uh rankings that kind of got people got the people talking but that's just the way these things go you know our opinions are our opinions alone and we can't help how we feel about the games we play uh so i'm ready to do this to see if we got any surprises along the way i, I have a feeling there's going to be a few hopefully nothing that gets me upset <laughs> angry which is the same thing except i wanted to emphasize uh, but we'll, we'll see how it goes down I will make sure to let my uh, my anger be known if Marco tries to fuck with me <laughs> in any way. <laughs> I, you know, this
0: is a weird year for games for, for me um, to the point where... I don't really know where this is going to go in, in terms of our combined list, but right. uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure our personal lists are, are both going to have some some unique little rankings and surprises in store for each other. So we'll just kind of we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. But um, you know, look, let's uh, let's tell the people what the format of the show is going to be. Um, it's basically this: me and Pablo have compiled a list of 21 of our favorite games of the year. And today we're going to take that list of 21 games. We're going to make cuts to narrow that list down to a final 10. Then we're going to deliberate where we want to rank those 10 finalists from 10th all the way up to first. Um, then once we finalize our top 10 games of 2023 as cooldown time, we're then going to reveal our personal Top 10 games of 2023, along with a few honorable mentions that we loved, but didn't quite make the cut. Um, and, and I, I guess, you know, much in the same way as we, we warned all of you with our uh, award show episode, which came out last week. Uh, our opinions as Pablo kind of joked about a little while ago uh, they will differ from yours um, we're never controversial for the sake of being controversial everything that we feel is what we genuinely feel and we're not doing the hate engagement thing that a lot of other podcasts and content creators tend to do so uh, you can at least trust that even if you don't agree with all of our opinions they are coming from an honest place so please keep that in mind I... if you if you find yourself getting angry yeah the pause buttons right there you can check you can come back when you're ready okay
1: <laughs> i also i also want to add for those of you who listened to the show and heard last week's episode and, and saw the awards that we gave out those awards are specific to certain categories and in no way mean that because a certain game won a lot of awards that it's automatically going to be a number one two or three game you know it, it would just look at Specific things and we gave awards according to that. So this entire top 10 that we're going to do is is a culmination of all the things uh, into one. So don't be fooled by that. But by last week's, we're just kind (laughs) of giving the flowers to to specific categories for specific games. So this is this is going to be interesting because I don't even know what's going to happen. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's a fantastic point, though. Um, and, and by the way, um, for those of you who didn't catch uh, the, the last episode where we handed out uh, about 11 different awards, um, don't go check it out just yet. I mean, you're here now, you might as well listen to this episode, but go back and check that one out. We know it dropped uh, during you know the peak Christmas and holiday times, so some of you didn't get to come check it out maybe just yet. So uh, keep that in the tuck. We're not going to spoil what awards we gave out that episode because we don't want to ruin that experience if you want to go back to it. Uh, But we are going to move forward. And Pablo's right. A lot of what you're going to see in terms of cuts and in terms of rankings may not necessarily correlate with some of the things that you may think we would do uh, based on that award show. So definitely worth staying tuned all the way through for sure. Uh, But look, Pablo, uh, it's time to get started. Uh, We have 21... Nominees for the top 10 games of 2023. Uh, and let's go ahead and read these out. Um, and these are all in alphabetical order, just so all of you know. There's no uh, subliminal rankings already happening with the way we're listing these out. So here we go. The nominees for top 10 games of 2023 are Alan Wake 2, Assassin's Creed Mirage, Baldur's Gate 3, Bomb Rush Cyberpunk. Coffee Talk Episode 2, Hibiscus and Butterfly Dead Space Forza Motorsport Hi-Fi Rush Hogwarts Legacy Lies of P Like a Dragon Gaiden, The Man Who Erased His Name Marvel's Spider-Man 2 Oxenfree 2, Lost Signals Resident Evil 4 Shadow Gambit, The Cursed Crew Star Ocean, The Second Story, are Star Wars Jedi, Survivor, Starfield, Super Mario Brothers Wonder, The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, and Venba. So there's our list, Pablo, of 21 contenders. And it's time for us to go ahead and start making some cuts. So, um, you know, Pablo, I'll, I'll give you the honor of making... Uh, the first one or two cuts here, kind of talk through why they're a cut, but why they were also uh, special games for you this year.
1: Yeah, i rip I I, I want to get rid of two games off the list, just based on the spirit of how we like to do our top 10 games. These are two games that I did not complete, but I did want to give them a shout out here because I feel like... What we do, what we do here is, in about six months, we do a uh, a retrospective, going back to the games of twenty twenty three and re-ranking or not re-ranking. Did we get it right? Did we get it wrong? Well, that episode obviously will, will will be coming up in the due time. But I think that these two games will probably be something that I talk about then. And those two games are Shadow Gambit the curse crew and star ocean, the second story are, and look, uh, the curse crew is basically my shit. It's basically dishonored in a, Isometric kind of form, and it is absolutely an incredible game. Uh, you approach each of these kind of uh, situations and objectives in any way you want, you, and and you use all these powers that are very reminiscent to Dishonored as well. And I, I loved my time with that game. It's just so many games came out around it that I wasn't able to put enough time into it. And then Star Ocean: The Second Story. Are I've talked about that game on the show already. It's a game that's caught me by surprise, a GRPG that is really engaging. I I love the story i love the characters i especially love the combat and i can't wait to get back into that once i am done kind of wrapping up some games on my list uh, or, or wrapping up 2023 20, games that might not be on my list but uh definitely those two games can go but they're not they're not gone forever they're they're gonna be games that we'll probably talk about down the road
0: nice man yeah i'm, I'm actually pretty interested in the shadow gambit uh mm-hmm. game i i I had no idea that game existed until I heard God is a Geek talking about it. Oh, yeah. Game of, the, game of the Year Awards um, with their deliberations. And I was like, hmm, this could be interesting. I'm not a Dishonored fan. However, I I, I like the idea of a game right. that's in the spirit of Dishonored, but maybe just presented a little bit differently. So uh, I'll I'll be checking that one out yeah, too, I, actually. I
1: think your issue with Dishonored has always been how the game controls, but the concept yes. of Dishonored and the way you go about things is, is completely uh, different, uh, you know, it's completely uh it's interesting it's an interesting concept that when you put it into this uh into this game it really works really well
0: nice all right man well that brings us down to 19 already um let me go ahead and make a cut in the same spirit as what you did i'm going to cut bomb rush cyberfunk um this is the spiritual successor to jet set radio that i've gushed about many many times over uh throughout the course of uh the show um, and it's, it's fantastic. It is everything that I could have hoped out of a spiritual successor for such a franchise that I love as dearly as Jet Set Radio. Um, it is fantastic from the, the, the visual aesthetics to the music to the actual uh, act of, of skating around and, and uh, putting graffiti Out here in the streets, man, everything just feels really, really good and feels exactly how I would want it to feel uh, in 2023. Um, You know, it got away from me a little bit uh, as other big name games came out that I I kind of figured would be uh, more important to finish in terms of being ready for this type of episode. Uh, So Mm -hmm. I had to uh, sort of deprioritize it in that way, but it's still installed on my Xbox. I'm still planning on coming back to it as soon as I get the chance, Uh, although that's becoming more and more difficult uh, with the ever-growing list of games that are uh, in my backlog and the ones that are about to come out (laughs) very early uh, in 2024. So I still wanted to give a a shout out to this game, though, uh, and especially a recommendation to anybody who's a fan of this game uh, or the Dreamcast era itself that maybe, misses this type of experience. It's definitely worth your while. So, shout out to Bomb Rush Cyberfunk. Yeah. All right, man. Um now if you if you don't mind, you made two cuts. I want to make one more cut to yeah. kind of even the playing field. I am going to go ahead and cut Coffee Talk Episode 2, Hibiscus and Butterfly. Um a really, really warm and cozy and enjoyable game uh, with a fantastic uh, cast of characters um, and just a, a, an awesome vibe that uh, feels super relaxing. Uh, you, you just kind of get to sit back and, and play the role of a barista and listen to people come in and talk about their lives, their their challenges, their 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 setbacks, their concerns, their worries, their fears, their doubts, and uh, it, it's it's extremely relatable in that way. Um, the coffee or tea making experience is very simplistic. It's not trying to be complicated or to make you really think too hard. It's, it's really just about the bonds and the relationships you build as the barista of this place with the people that uh, come in uh, that are your regulars. Yeah. Basically um, it's, it's not as good as the first game is. Um, I think sometimes conversations in each episode of this uh sequel can get a little too long on the tooth mm-hmm. um, and I think some of the plot beats are not as fascinating as some of the ones that happened in the predecessor but it was still a very very enjoyable comforting relaxing and almost therapeutic game yeah. that uh really served as a nice break in between the bombastic crazy triple a epic experiences that we're kind of used to getting so
1: yeah and i and i also yeah. like the the addition of the item holding thing they do with two where uh, a client or a customer gives you an item to give to somebody else and that kind of uh i like that because that kind of it, it adds a little complexity to the gameplay that the first game didn't have but other yeah. than that i do agree i think the first game was much better i think think it was better written and i think conversationally those things uh the way those conversations went and and the end of those and the end of those kind of interactions meant a lot more to me than uh, than part two did for sure yeah man um right. okay i, I don't want, i was gonna get spicy but i'm gonna go ahead and hold off the this for a little bit because this is kind of an easy cut this is a game that i loved and a game that you actually hated or didn't like at all and that's assassin's creed mirage I, it's just not a game that i'm gonna fight for it uh fight uh, in terms of the other games around this list and because it's only me like that loves it and you being on the opposite spectrum of that I don't have it in me to, to even to debate the game in the in our top 10 I, I
0: see where you're coming from um, here's kind of what I would say though and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna refute that you know it, it can go but what I would say is that I don't want our and I know you know this but I just mm-hmm. want to refresh like Our top 10 list doesn't have to necessarily be games that we're both feeling good about. So if this really does speak to you as a great Assassin's Creed game that you really, really enjoyed, I'm okay with keeping it in contention for a little longer. I just don't want us to get in the habit of, oh, I liked it, you didn't, so then because only one of us liked it, it should go.
1: But in order for for me to 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 really kind of uh, make a case for it to be even in the top 10, I don't think it belongs in the top ten. So okay. at that point, uh, the concession I'm making is based on the fact that even though I loved it, I didn't love it as much as 10 other games on this list. okay, so that's yeah, fair. That's, that's the fair. main crux but obviously the added addition to the fact that you you didn't like it, you know just kind of speaks for the game itself and how divisive it was. but yeah, okay. Because well, my go other ahead and cut that. the other game I was going to suggest, which I won't suggest right now, is definitely something that I think we're going to go uh, we're going to go head to head on a little bit because there, I don't see I don't <laughs> see a, a world where you agree to, to to making this cut so early. But uh, I'll I, save that. I, I for think my I next know shirt. which
0: one you're. I think I know which one you're going to talk about, and we'll we'll have that conversation. Yeah, okay. we'll have a conversation. Um, yeah, right. I, I can be swayed, and, you know, but we'll see where we go. Okay. Um. And by the way, listeners, we will refresh you on what's left over every you know, couple of cuts. We'll, we'll give you an update. Uh, right now, we're at 16 games. Uh, let's try to get it down to 15, and we'll give you a quick little update on what we have remaining. Um, and let me kind of skim over what we've got here. Um, it's a very interesting list um, because I think that, you know, I, I know that you already have one that comes to mind that you want to potentially argue over. I think I know what that one is, but I want to kind of detour and... I'm just going to throw the the conversation out there of where do we stand on HiFi Rush Mm -hmm. making top 10 here? Um, I think it's possible that it can sneak in, um, but I am looking at the rest of this list and I see a pretty good list of things that I think one or both of us are fairly passionate about. Is this something that we kind of need to get out of the way now um, to avoid obstructions later? Or do uh, we need to keep this in contention?
1: I think it needs to stay in contention because I uh, there's other games on this list that I feel uh, that should go before Hi-Fi Rush. Personally, I think that it should make our top 10. Uh, okay. I, I I really like the game a lot. Um, I'll get into details later uh, as to why. But uh, unless you want me to get into it now, it's, it's, it's up to you. But... Well, why
0: don't we just go ahead and let's have the conversation about the game you want to cut.
1: Yeah, I mean, the game that I want to cut. Okay. Yes. All right. Let's <laughs> do
0: it. Are you sure you know what game it is? Let's let's just—it's gonna happen sooner or later. Let's let's have it now. Right. Let's have maybe, the conversation now. Maybe this now. will
1: shock you. Maybe it won't. Marco says he knows what it is. I'm saying Marvel Spider-Man 2.
0: Yeah, that's the one I thought you were gonna say. Yeah, look. Yeah,
1: I think this game is good. I do. I think the game is good uh, because Insomniac makes good games period, that's, that's just what that is, but when we're looking at the sequel of Spider-Man, I, I, I think that the game is just too safe, I don't think it does anything better than the first game, uh, narratively, it's it, it's lacking compared to the first game, the, the gameplay aspects, the new addition to the combat, personally, I did not like in the, in the slightest, it didn't make the game unplayable or anything like that, it's just, I, I didn't really enjoy it, and, it's not a game that speaks to me in any way I, I it's it's honestly there's a lot of things about the game that I even forget in terms of story beats the the Venom stuff and the Craven stuff are definitely standouts I just think the Craven stuff was cut too short and the Venom stuff we didn't get enough of that and I think that that should have been the main focus of these games I think they do that often insomniac does they want to cram in so many villains into their games that it's a lot of them gets chore shifted and it, it doesn't it just doesn't always bode well for the the story story in terms of the narrative but emotionally impactfulness, all that stuff it's just way better in the first game and I don't really think that this game goes toe-to-toe with any other game that I would put on my top uh, on this top 10 list specifically just because of how of a mundane experience it was for me uh there was definitely highs there was definitely but there was definitely lows and ultimately for me if I'm really being honest with myself this isn't a contender at all for me, it, it wasn't even a game that I could even talk myself into thinking that it can make our top 10, just because of the simple fact that it just doesn't do enough, you know, it's, it's, I'm not going to sit here and say it's, it's reductive, or, or in terms of it a sequel, but it is way too safe, it, it just, it just feels like more of the same, which is good, but when Insomniac makes a game, you're, you're expecting the best of the best, and I kind of feel like, not that they were coasting, but that they just took what made one great and just did that again. And I don't think that that makes for like the best experience, at least for me.
0: I understand where you're coming from, and, and you know, I don't. I don't think we're worlds apart in the way we feel about the game. Actually, I, I do. I mean, you use the word safe. Um, I think I used the word safe uh, as well when we were first playing it. I guess there's two ways of looking at safe, though. Yeah. Uh, there's safe in terms of just, you know, maybe creatively spent and this is the best they can do kind of safe, or there's a safe in terms of knowing their strengths and staying in their lane and being consistent. Um, and I I guess I look at it in a more positive light in terms of the, the safety that they approach this game with. Um, I would have, of course, loved to have seen... More strides narratively, more strides in terms of side content, um, you know. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna back away from that. I guess uh, you know, I don't, I don't think there's anything to me that feels incredibly bad to the point right. where I wouldn't even consider this a, a top ten contender. So I guess I'm just
1: not at the extreme uh, well, that that you happen to be, right? Um, but this isn't a list of like. Ten good games and and you know and, and and six bad ones. These are all at least to mm-hmm. one of us are good games and belong at the very least to be mentioned within our top ten games of twenty twenty three show. It's just okay. I and, and going to your point about you know staying consistent. I, I definitely understand that, but at, at the same time, when I look at who's making the game and I know their talent and what they can do and what they've done in the past and how much of a revelation the first Spider-Man was, I'm not asking for them to rebuild to to to, to revolutionize the, the the Marvel comic book video game again, but I, I wanted a little bit more and I felt like they they you know they kept a lot of the stuff status quo and when you look at the game itself You know, Miles Morales is incredible. His story and his characterization is amazing. Peter Parker, to me, is an absolute bore. And he's half of that game. You know, a lot of the stuff you do with Peter Parker, a lot of redundant emotional steps that we take over and over. And I just, I I, I don't find him to be charming even that likable. and This is before the Venom stuff. I, I just it, it was every time I had to play him, and then I had to play uh, a story beat with that was centralized in him, his relationship with Mary Jane, his relationship with with Harry. None of that was interesting, and and, and Harry was like a had all the personality of a wet paper bag, and 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 Mary and Mary Jane. <laughs> we agree there. And Mary Jane was 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 a great character, but I think she was utilized in really weird ways, and and uh, I I just feel like. Her emotional connection to Peter Parker is is just so. It it never feels real to me. You know, it it mm. never feels real. It, yeah. there, there's and the, and then the connection with with, with Miles Morales and, and and I forget her name, her, his his deaf girlfriend. Uh, th- there's not uh, much there, but that feels so legit. Like it feels like he really likes her. It, that relationship feels honest and. I, I just never felt that in, 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 in within uh, with, with Peter Parker's story. And that's half the damn game. you know. So I yeah. don't know. There's just a lot about the, the Spider-Man 2 game. And I, and I don't want people to be like, oh, I can't believe Pablo thinks it's a bad game. I don't think it's a bad game. You can't really play games for as long as I have and play that game and think this game is bad. It's not bad. It isn't. It's just there's a lot of yeah. things about this game that don't work for me. And we're, we're talking about the top 10 games of 2023. For me, it's not one of them. Now, if you do feel strongly about it, Marco, we can we can keep it and, and have that conversation later.
0: No, no, no. Here, here's where I'll ultimately land on on this, and and um, I'll go ahead and say, like, let's let's go ahead and cut it. And and here's why I'll kind of I'll, I'll bend on that. I, I think that's something that, as I was sort of sussing out what I wanted to do with my, you know, my, my own personal top ten games of the year. I thought a lot about Spider-Man 2, and one thing that I think really stuck out to me was that after finishing that game, um, I really genuinely didn't think about it too much afterwards. Right. Um, there, there's not been a time where I guess I've sort of reached back for a memory of playing that game and, go, and, and gone like, oh, that moment or that thing or that that plot beat. That fight. I mean, there are things that I enjoyed. I did like the the fight with you know symbiote Peter and versus Miles and the the, the Craven um, you know, the arc. I think even though it was kind of short lived, I, I did enjoy the premise behind his motivations and whatnot. But I I can't really extract anything that really seared itself into my mind and going like oh man yeah when that happened you know. Whereas and I, I think the other reason why I agree on a cut. And this is more of a testament to the series itself is that I think that because Insomniac got so much right with the very first game that I almost wonder, not that, not that I don't think there's room for improvement. There clearly is, but I think they got so much right that that a lot of the most important things that they would have to do well, like traversal and the Spidey stuff, I think they already do well. Yeah, And so I think they can only do so much incrementally. In that area like they try with the wingsuit and you know to give you another another way to kind of get around uh they make fast travel or switching between spider-men more uh <laughs> interesting but uh you know I, I wonder if they kind of plateaued early uh and I, maybe that's why this feels a little bit kind of
1: okay i go some further I, I feel like this sequel was made because the first game was so successful and I know that they can talk about how much they love the Spider-Man universe and how much they love making these games, but I didn't see the love here. I, I saw this work, mm. let's do that again. This work, let's do that again. And there are some new things, like I said, but it just didn't feel like the same Insomniac that made the first Spider-Man game. When you look at other games that, that quote-unquote nail it, like, look at uh, look at Batman uh, uh, Arkham Asylum and then Batman Arkham City. I mean, those two games couldn't be more different, but you can see the love in the sequel to Arkham City, how much much bigger and how much and and how grandier they went with everything and I think that they felt that they had the ability to do that because they loved it so much with Spider-Man 2 I I, honestly I just felt like people love Peter Parker he has to be in it people love Miles Morales he also has to be in it like and, and it's just Venom people love Venom that's the key bad guy and, and let's do Venom. It just it just felt like they were checking off a lot of boxes and really weren't mm-hmm. being as the creative powerhouse that they are. And I I really feel like they probably ran into a wall with that, which is probably why they wanted to make Wolverine. You know, a, a complete it's still within the Marvel world, a complete different character. I I, I don't know. It, it it just that's another thing. It just didn't feel like the Insomniac the Insomniac that we know and we love when they make Spider Man Two. They they still made a great game. It just wasn't as good as the first one, and it wasn't even as good as, as any other insomniac games that they've made in the past, in my opinion.
0: All right. Well, we have cut it off the list. Um, Pop, let's do a quick refresh for the listeners here. Since we've made some cuts now, we're down to 15 games, and they are the following. We have Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Dead Space, Forza Motorsport, Hi-Fi Rush, Hogwarts Legacy, Lies of P., like a dragon Gaiden, oxen free 2, resident evil 4, star wars jedi survivor, starfield, super mario brothers wonder, legend of zelda tears of the kingdom and venba. So we have five oh, more yeah. cuts to make, Pablo. Um, I want to kind of steal a little bit of your your essence as it were. <laughs> so I want to talk about I want to talk about Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Mhm. Um, I didn't like this game too much. If I'm being honest, Uh, I I, I thought that the first game was, was cool. Um, I had my problems with it. Um, I think, I think Jedi survivor kind of went a bit backwards for me personally. I think that it actually sort of magnified most of the things that I actually didn't enjoy out of the first game that I hope they would clean up or, or kind of pivot from, um, Tons of backtracking. I mean, you would have to go to certain planets six or seven times in, on a mandatory basis uh, for yeah. the sake of the story. I thought a lot of those planets were just flat out not very interesting. I thought the combat was actually a bit weak uh, for the most part. I think a lot of the newer stances, except for maybe one, were uh, pretty you know, uh, uninspired, uh, in my opinion. Um, technical issues out the ass with that game oh, yeah. I ran into a bunch of them I know not everybody had the same experience but I mean frame rate drops textures popping in from literal black screen to filling out an entire scene like beard was clipping off of his face <laughs> for a while I had a really rough time with this one and I think that the story to me um, kind of leaned a little too much into the old Starware, uh, Star Wars Star Wars, uh, Star Wars. conventions <laughs> with uh, you know it, it's like the cameo you knew was coming. They did it again. It's like all it. right, this is starting to lose its luster. And I think that the plot twist, uh, air quotes, with uh, you know the new character they brought in at the beginning of the game that turns back on you. You know, some I've heard some people say like, "Oh my god, the greatest plot twist ever!" And I'm Hell like, no. "That's." That's not even close, man. That, that, that spoil- was that was seen from miles away.
1: <laughs> not to spoil it, though, Marco. Maybe because I'm an idiot, I it caught me by surprise. But when you oh think, but when you think about it, it's like, oh, obviously they brought the new guy in to do the thing. Look, let me tell you something. I, I, when this game came out and I played it, I was enamored with it. I, I thought that in my head, it's like this is the better, this is the better version of the two games, and I still, uh, I still stand by that. I, I, I do think. As a opposite to Spider-Man 2, I do think that Star Wars Jedi Survivor is the better experience all the way around. However, I, I, I with with time and 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 just kind of thinking about this game, I do feel like there were one or two things that I really loved about the game, but everything else in between, it just didn't really work in the way that I wanted it to, and, and and to your point, you know, I know it's a Star Wars game, obviously, but they, they are creating their own kind of world, and their own kind of story, so leaning on the uh, old Star Wars stuff to kind of bring people in, in terms of, like, a specific cameo that we won't spoil, that kind of stuff rubbed me the wrong way, just kind of the, the, the end of that game really just fell flat for me, uh, and I think ultimately... When I look at the other games on the list again, it, it it's not a game that is going to survive. Uh, <laughs> um, nah. The uh, our our nah. our conversations here it, it's it's really good, <laughs> uh, but it, it's one of those things when you go, it's good for a Star Wars game, and that's not the best kind of uh, you know. Mm. That's kind of that's not how you measure a great game. It's good because all those games are trash. Though there are there is a game on our list that does uh do that but it, there's other reasons why it's good and we'll talk about that one later uh, okay. but yeah that one well. can definitely go all right, all right. I'm, I'm gonna offer up a baby here venba this is not a money exchanging application this is a video game uh that uh, i loved uh venba is one of the most it's kind of like one of the great n- moments narratively for me of the year uh but I have to admit that the writing in some areas was lacking and that the cooking stuff which I really loved um, and I talked about in the last episode it, it, it wasn't why I, why I played the game and it, there was a lot of that in the game itself um, and I think when I look at other games on here and I look at the narrative the narrative thrust of other games compared to Venba I, I think that the other games, might not necessarily be better narratively, but do everything else around it way, way better and for me, I just it's not a game that I think will make our personal or not a personal but our show's top ten just because there are other games on here that i that I would rather have than Venba uh, I
0: don't know, man I, I don't want to fight for 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 your game that you're cutting, but I mean, I remember when you talked about this game, and you know, you had a very strong emotional response, and yeah. the way that how relatable it was to you and yeah. your upbringing and your family dynamic. Like,
1: I'm an it emotional, feels weird
0: cutting something like that.
1: I'm an emotional video game player. Like, if 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 the game if the game is, it speaks to me emotionally, I can forgive a lot of it. The thing is, it's it's a two hour, an hour and a half. Max kind of experience and I I found it to be definitely emotional and and it spoke to me but I don't know it just like this this year is a year where I found that plus more in other games you know what I mean like I can offer up a game like Dead Space to be cut because it's it's a game that I've 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 played before the remake definitely makes it better but there's nothing about that game that you know makes it like again that I want that I want on our list but I know how you feel about it and
0: well no that was actually going to be what I was going to suggest to cut okay. next ironically can- so um yeah I mean so I mean I'd be sooner ready to do that than part with Venba just yet unless we just don't have any other path I, okay. forward except so, to cut Venba so
1: le- let me ask you this um, cause you not that you're not emotional, emotionally attached to the games, but you're you're a little more technical. So I mean, the emotionality of a game is definitely important to you, but the the yeah. technical aspects of the game, how it plays, how it looks, how it runs, all that stuff, you you tend to, to to gravitate towards that more. And this game didn't speak to you based on some of those aspects, gameplay loops, and all that. Um, how much do you attach emotionality to how good of like when you're doing these kinds of lists? Cause I, I definitely do it, but I I, I can't I can't just fully go on how i feel emotionally i this is a video game an interactive medium and i have to look at those things as well and that's why i would offer venba but in in your in in your the way you do these how how much is emotion uh attached to this
0: well i i think that the way that i look at it is i look at what the intention of the game is supposed Mm -hmm. to be right if i think venba's intention is to make you feel something right right whereas if we find like let's let's what's the big, best contract? Hi-Fi Rush, right? Yeah. Let's say Hi-Fi Rush is not trying to make you feel something no, on a deep and really. in, intrinsic yeah. level, right? So I, I always look at it from the intention of the developer. What did they want me to do? Did they want me to just have fun and go, wow, that was funny or cool or awesome? Or do they want me to kind of sit back and think and reflect and look for connections between the story I was told and my own life? And I think that if if a game like Venba achieved that because that's what it wanted to achieve, then I think that I would look, I would be able to be more forgiving towards some of the gamey shortcomings because at the end of the day, if the cooking was awesome and the story sucked, it wouldn't be on this list. Right. 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 But they knew, they knew that, at the end of the day, the story is what has to matter most. The cooking is just this ancillary piece of of, of the the story. Yeah. So I, I think that they got their priorities straight. It obviously would have been better if the cooking was awesome and the story was awesome. Yeah. But we didn't get that. But I think if if the emotional pull of this game it was meaningful enough to you to say you know what, despite some of the things that aren't the best about it, I still feel like a cooldown time list that represents me and us deserve to have this game on the list i wouldn't fight that with you
1: but i also think the so. game is emotionally manipulative uh in that there are certain aspects of the game that they do because they know they're going to garner a specific emotion i don't want to spoil i, I don't want to spoil that but i also feel like i was into the game and there are certain things that they did that really uh, you know emotionally got to me but when you look at it it's no better than a tearjerker movie where they're doing these things like they're going for your good gu- yeah, going they're for, yeah, going yeah, for a yeah like <laughs> like you like that that movie about that dog marley and me or something that, like like they made you fall in love with a fucking dog and then they kill it at the end like you sons of bitches <laughs> um you know th- that kind of stuff is like and i feel like venba might not specifically be that but there's a lot of emotional stuff and then the reason yes the, the reason why I also think that I would cut it is because the ending of that game is so badly written, or or it comes to that ending in such a quick succession that all the emotional buildup just kind of dissipates at the end. And I mm. and I felt all of it, it, it. If it's an hour, if I played an hour and, and thirty minutes of it, uh, the hour and twenty five in those last five minutes, it kind of takes all that and just kind of takes the air out of the uh, of the, of the oh, entire okay. thing for me. Where it's like. It's manipulative, but also the thing they did with the main character is kind of like, like, this is stupid. Like, this is like, this is dumb. (laughs) Like, where did did his emotional, where did his, why did he change? And, and, And something happens before that that doesn't really affect him, which should have completely destroyed him. Uh, but anyway, mm. I, I, would, I, okay. I would say that though emotionally I vibed it in many ways and it spoke to me on a lot of levels, I think the emotional kind of uh, manipulation and then the way that the story wraps up, it doesn't come around in a full circle to, to, to give this perfect emotional experience for me.
0: Okay. Well, we'll go ahead and cut it. I just wanted to see if there was still something knocking around in there that made you a little hesitant, but yeah, I'm glad we talked through that. That was good. That was a good conversation. Yeah. Um, mentioned Dead Space a moment ago. Uh, I, I am going to go ahead and offer that up as a cut here. Um, you know, Dead Space, uh, to me, is, is one of those... It's one of those franchises that kind of got away from me uh, mm-hmm. back when it was in a heyday. day. Um, as someone who loves survival horror games, there was always something that didn't necessarily click with me about the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I really came into this remake hoping that a lot of the things that were kind of irking me back then were addressed with the, the new and updated version. And for the most part, a lot of it was addressed. Um, very, very polished, very well made. Um, great sense of atmosphere, um, much improved movement in combat. I think a lot of um, the gameplay beats and the moments in that game are handled a lot better than its original version. And I think that although the story is still a bit, you know, Middling at best. I, I do think that the added bonus of having Isaac speak is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it does add a little bit extra to the game uh, that I huge, think benefits. game changer. Fairly well.
1: Yeah, for, yeah. I played the first yeah. game and I played the remake, and I can tell you that, that, that Isaac speaking adds so much to, to that game.
0: Yeah, it was it was it was like weirdly it was he was too quiet. He was quiet for no reason. Like yeah. unless this guy's a, a cyborg underneath there, you know, I would I would, I would <laughs> be mute. expecting him to react like a human being, right? Yeah. Uh, so it was a, a much welcome change. I I think that ultimately, um, there were some some issues of I think just sort of feeling a bit done with the game a bit earlier than I wanted to feel, even though it's a short game. Uh, yeah. There were moments where I'm like. Yeah, I kind of get the shtick. Um, And I do think that some of the uh, scare tactics are a bit dated. um, And and they brought over some of those elements in a way where I was kind of hoping for something a little bit more modern and a little bit more psychological than here's a monster with, you know, eight weird tentacle claw things that's got 12,000 teeth in his mouth. Chasing you down a hallway, yeah, I think yeah. that just after a while, that kind of loses its luster. But it was still really, really fun, and I, I highly enjoyed playing it, uh, despite some of those things. But yeah, I, I don't think that ultimately it's a it's a top ten in this collective list here. So let's I make agree. that cut. And uh, I, and I hope that to, we're down to twelve games. Mm-hmm. Two more cuts. What, what were we going to say?
1: And I hope that they uh, that they take those lessons learned in in, two, in in Dead Space, and if they ever get around to remaking two, which is my favorite by far. I would love to see that in in all its glory. All right, um, yeah, this this is where it kind of gets difficult. I I I don't want to do the thing because I think last year and I, l- let's talk this one out. Last year towards the end we started saying this isn't on my top ten. This is on my top ten to kind of uh, see where we land. I don't want to do that this year. Uh, uh, so I, I kind of want to, you know, not. So, I'm not, I'm, I'm yeah, not, I, mean, even, I, want
0: our, I want our decisions to be based off of these conversations, right. and not and like, it, exactly. where did you have it? Where did I have it? Right, right, right.
1: And, and I think that I uh, have to look at that and look at the other games on the list and, and know where some conversations are going to go. Cause I'm between two games. I'll tell you what two games I'm on between in terms of cutting Forza Motorsport and Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Uh, those are my two games that I'll. That let, let me tell you why, and, and and you can jump in whenever you like. I'll start with with Forza Motorsport. I I, I really like this game. I think it's really good. Uh, it's just as a fa- uh, as as a, not a fan of the Sim Racer. I I I got as much as I could out of it. Uh, but ultimately, it's a game that I fell off off of it pretty hard. However, I had a great time with it. And for me, it's just one of those things when I look at the other games on the list. I can't f- personally say it was one of my w- top games of the year because of, of the 12 other games that are on here. When I'm comparing these other games, I just feel like it just doesn't make that, that specific cut. Um, now for Super Mario Bros. Wonder, I think that this game does a lot of great things. I just don't like a lot of the things that it does. Like the, it's a 2D Mario game that is based off exploration. It takes a 3D Mario kind of, uh, way of doing things that implements it into a 2D Mario game. I don't like the fact that it doesn't have a timer in each of those levels. Uh, it makes, it makes the, the, the urgency a lot, it doesn't, there's no urgency at these levels, like, you're searching for the wonder seed, and, and I like that, that game loop, but after a while, it gets a little old, uh, and, and I like the changing of the levels, I think some of the stuff is really interesting, however, I don't think it's consistently great throughout, and it's a game that I feel like is very good, it's hard to, to, to nitpick anything about the game, except how I feel when I played the game, and how I'm used used to playing traditional 2D Mario games, so maybe it's the old man in me, like, I want my 2D Mario games to be my 2D Mario games, and my 3D Mario games to be my 3D Mario games, I, I just didn't feel like Super Mario Bros. Wonder was a great 2D Mario game, it's a great kind of game, in in, in, in terms of, like, the, the, the mechanics and everything that the game does, but for me, I just didn't feel like it's a game that really Really delivered when we're talking about a mainline 2D Mario game, uh, in, in my opinion. So those are kind of my two cuts. Uh, wh- what do you think? I, I know you're a big, you're a big fan of the Forza Motorsports, So uh, is that a no go for you, or it's an
0: I don't it's an I don't know yet kind okay. of thing. Let, let me start with Super Mario Bros. Wonder because okay. um, I think I have a much more clear picture on where I stand on that game. I actually got a chance to play it recently. Um, I didn't like it at all um if i'm being honest with you i, I felt like man i felt like the, there was just something off with the platforming to me um i know 2d mario games have their own feel um mm. you know especially the more recent ones but there was just something a little too slippery and slidey with the way he moved around in in this game in a way where i just felt off the entire time it wasn't like it was hard it was just that it didn't feel good in in that in that very snappy way that I kind of want my platformers to feel.
1: It was over animated. Um,
0: yeah, a little over animated. I think it was like the feet moving too fast. Based, yeah. but his speed was slow. It's like, okay, is he like gathering momentum? Like, what is he? What what what's going on?
1: Yeah, yeah. Because
0: it looked like kind of like the cartoon thing, you know, where like the roadrunner like starts and then he yeah. darts off. It's like, what's happening here? Yeah. Um. And then I I also felt like. Um, and this is probably going to be controversial, but I didn't really like either the art style or the 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 trippy wonder seed whatever it is uh, yeah. concept at all. Actually, I felt like I, I played the first few levels. I I saw the the parade thing. It was kind of weak in my opinion. I didn't really enjoy it. Um, I just felt like it was sort of gimmicky, and it really kind of detracted from maybe something more pure that I wanted out of a two D Mario that this game didn't really have to give.
1: I didn't love the art style myself either. I don't think it was bad. I just, I honestly didn't, I don't think it was that great to look at. You know what I mean? Like, um, Mm. though, the Wonder Seed stuff, and when that changed over and those levels changed, I thought a lot of that stuff was phenomenal. And I think that that's really where their kind of uh, artistic uh, flair came to life for me. And I think that's why I loved it. In terms of that aspect of it, but when you're not in that wonder seed, uh, wonder flower zone, I felt like yeah, it didn't look it. it didn't look great. Like the, the art style wasn't anything to, to kind of really talk about, you know. But I the wonder seed stuff was for me phenomenal. I think that's the cut. Okay,
0: okay. Um, now look, I, I I guess to circle back to Forza, I I. I mean, I, I I brought up Hi-Fi Rush. If I'm being honest, between Forza and Hi-Fi, um, I would rather cut Hi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to get kind of a temperature check on where you stand with Hi-Fi Rush, though. Where are you at with that one?
1: I, I love this game, man. I okay. I think that you know, it's a third-person action kind of adventure game, sure, but it implements that. That musical aspect to it, where you can be bad at that and still enjoy this game, but if you're good at the kind of recognizing, uh, you know, tempos and whatnot, it, it kind of elevates that game to uh, to the next level. I don't. There's a lot. I don't know. If there's a lot of games that do it as good. I know there's a lot of first-person shooters uh, that have that musicality to it. You know, I forgot that one game that you liked. Um, the first-person shooter Hell it was like a... Oh, uh, Hellsinger. Metal Singer. Yeah, those games are yeah. cool, but I think that that vision and, and the, the the taking a, a, a specific style of combat in games and then merging that with the music of it, I thought was great. I think that the story was way better than it needed to be. Uh, I, I like the platforming aspects of it. I think the, tradi- the the transition between the 3D and 2D stuff w- when you're ziplining through stuff was absolutely phenomenal. I love, absolutely love the art style of this game. I think the music is great. The two songs by Channels are awesome. I, I like a lot of the interactions with the other, uh, with with your other companions. I like the moments where you were just kind of hanging out at the, at the hideout and having those conversations with those people. I think all those all those characters are voiced great. I think Chai is is one of these characters that should that shouldn't have worked, but really work. I think he's he's charming, he's endearing, uh, and I, you know even his quips were, were great. And little moments, uh, story moments were awesome. Uh, I, I I don't know. I think I, I think this game was firing on on all cylinders and coming out of nowhere like this from a studio that we really didn't expect anything like this and it being as good as it is i, I just it, it, it's it's a game that i, I it was an early contender for me for game, not for game of the year but being a top game of the year because of how good it is and it's a game that i've thought about often in terms of how that it plays and how it looks and, and everything about the game so I, i'm really i really love hi-fi rush and I, yeah. I don't I, I it's hard I don't want to take anything away from Forza Motorsport because it did nothing wrong in my opinion I don't I don't think that that game is bad in any way shape or form It's just when it comes to what I like I just didn't like it So I don't I kind of don't want to I I I kind of want to leave it up to you in that sense because I feel like for me. It would be unfair to be like, I didn't like Forza Motorsport because I'm not a sim racing fan. Cut it. It's not fair to that game because I think that game does so many things great. And I, I, I think it deserves flowers as well. So I don't know. It's a hard, it's a hard cut. I think, I think looking at all the other games on this list, um, I think those are the two that we're, we have to look at in terms of cutting. I, I, I would throw yeah. another one in there and this is just to kind of just kind of spice it up maybe uh like a dragon guide in the man who raised his name like those are maybe the the three games that i would look at potentially cutting though i i i i I also love like a dragon guide in so it it would be kind of hard to 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 pick between those three regardless okay so yeah i
0: mean to say my piece about hi-fi rush um I think uh, I agree with a lot of your sentiments. I think this game is, is ultra creative. It is, um, you know, I love the art style. I love the, the music integration. Anything that's rhythm based uh, always piques my interest going back to the frequency and amplitude days way back when. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so the, the, those types of, of games always capture my interest. And so um, I, I did find myself quite enjoying what it was attempting to do in that way. And I think it largely succeeded. I, I think that. Most of my issues that I had with the game were around the elements that didn't involve the rhythm-based combat. I think a lot of the platforming in that game didn't necessarily feel very smooth or feel very good at times. Um, one thing I know we talked about, not to tip our hand too much about the award show we did, but I know we talked a little bit about level design and yep. I, and feeling that um, a lot of those areas just kind of feel a bit templated after a while and... Um, don't feel as interesting the, the further you go. Um, and I, I also mentioned um, as well that even though sound is a big part of this game, uh, the music that's not licensed that you hear pretty much predominantly through the game, unless it's a boss fight, is all pretty generic rock and roll riffing that uh, didn't feel particularly uh, fun to uh, go go and fight alongside. You know what I mean? Like I, I would rather yeah. have heard more licensed music throughout the the game than just saving those for boss fights. And maybe it's a budget issue or licensing issues or something like that. I don't know, but I did find that. Uh, it took a little bit of the wind out of my sails every time I was doing these cool moves to this very generic, you yeah. know, like it, it was just it, that kind of wore on me a little bit. I guess to shoot at some bail, I I will readily admit I'm splitting the shit out of some hairs for that <laughs> uh, in in that sense. Um, circling back to Forza, I, I I think where I'll land here is that I will go ahead and concede. I think we'll we'll go ahead and cut it. Um, I agree that I don't think this game does anything inherently wrong. Uh, I think that it is uh, exactly what it intended to be. Um, I think that depending on, um, you know, where we are as sim racing uh, admirers or enthusiasts, I think that our mileage no pun intended is going to vary. Um, I just found myself getting a lot more out of this game than I expected to. I mean, I reached level sixty one in as my driver ranking I put forty five plus hours into this thing yeah, I've really enjoyed the the loop uh, of of practicing and racing and getting a lot of feedback through the game on how to get better and you know getting scores on how well I but was see- handling turns and stuff like that i I guess the reason why I would say is a cut is that I think that a lot of what ultimately will determine the success of Forza remains to be seen because it is sort of built to be this stackable live service game, essentially. Even though they're not outright charging us for anything right now, they are going to continue adding to this. And this is going to essentially be the Forza we're going to have for years to come. So I think... I, it feels weird rating, r- r- comparing a game that is in launch state, that is going to get years and years worth of content in the future with a game that's kind of already done um, and already good,
1: right? But see, even as it is, Marco, you've reached level 61. It's a game that you keep c- going back to, even at its current form. I, I don't know if they can do anything to ruin the game other than some microtransaction bullshit, but the, the actual game of it is something you've enjoyed for 45-plus hours. You've reached, you know, level 61. I just feel like that's, a, that's you know, in terms of the best games of 2023, a game that you keep going back to is... I don't know if it's a game that we should outright cut. Uh, You know, with Hi-Fi Rush, and I loved it to death, I, I do think that you know once you're done with that game you're done with that game you know and that's no fault of the game uh, of the exactly. game it's it's a single yeah. player it's a single player experience but i mean if we're comparing Forza with Hi-Fi Rush i i don't know i just feel like you've gotten more out of it even more than what i've gotten out of Hi-Fi Rush ultimately so i yeah. you know for me I, mean, I don't think it's it's tricky, it's easy. It's tricky. yeah um, um, I, I i would say i would say based on 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 our list here that I think high fire rush could get what should could get cut here. I think it's probably the game that should get cut. Um, I, I feel like it being the 11th game here is, 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 is good, you know, for, for, for mm. this year of incredible games. And, you know, it, there was there was a lot of questions behind Forza Motorsport. The fact that it is sim specific that that it isn't uh, Horizon, that it could potentially be, uh, a, sure. a, it's a life service kind of game, and those games don't really work out too well. And the fact that it launched in the way it launched, and and how much you've gotten out of it, and how much even I got out of it, even though I'm not a, a a sim racing fan, like I'm not. This is not a game that I played and put down. Like I I played this game for a long time for for quite a bit. So uh, the fact that it made even a person like me who wasn't necessarily into sim games play a lot of this game. I, I, I think that it, it, I think that that's an accomplishment on its own. And I feel like high Fi rush, all high Fi rush had to do was be good. You know, it didn't have to really overcome anything.
0: Okay. So then let me, let me throw one more thing at you before we make a decision here. Um, you had briefly brought up like a dragon in right? Um, Let me throw a hypothetical. I'm not saying this is what it's going to come down to. I just want to kind of another temperature check. If you had to choose between Hi-Fi Rush and Like a Dragon Gaiden being on this top 10 of ours, what which one of those two would you kind of be leaning towards? Styles make fights, bro. Here we go. (laughs) It's going to get tough. But what do you think? I mean, it's a curious one, right? Because I think they're both unique in their own way, but they both have... Some downsides that I think are worthy of mention. I mean, what, what, do, what would if you I, say? If I'm
1: being honest, I am I would lean Hi-Fi Rush over uh, uh Gaiden. Just based keeping on Hi-Fi the fact, on the
0: list, you mean, right?
1: Yeah, keeping Hi-Fi on the list. Because look, okay, everything that Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name did, I think it all it's all about its character, Kiryu, his journey, the conclusion, well, quote, quote, the conclusion of that journey. But it's really about the la- the latter half of that game that really, you know, r- it really picks up. The middle part of that game for a long time was a slog for me, and I I came out of that fine. Like you know, it's not, not when I think about that game, that's that's not what I think about. I think about the entire journey, the story, the narrative of it. But if we're splitting hairs here, I think that for me, like a Dragon guy, then had more times where I was kind of rolling my eyes and ready for the next thing than Hi-Fi Rush. Mm Hi-Fi Rush, I was engaged all the way through.
0: Okay. So then let me kind of... I think you know where I'm going with this. I mean, would you rather... Would you feel better with us keeping Forza and Hi-Fi on the top 10 in eliminating Like a Dragon? Or would you feel better... And be honest, would you feel better keeping Hi-Fi and Like a Dragon and cutting Forza?
1: I want to say... No, I want to say I feel better about it because I don't think that that's... It's not my list. It's our list. And I think when we look at your experience with, with Forza Motorsport and my experience with Hi-Fi Rush, I think that we're pretty passionate about how we felt about those games. And I think that we agree a lot on what, uh, like, with Guyden did. I, I I know, I think I had a little bit of a harder time with, with, with the middle part of the game than you did. But ultimately, for me, I think that mm-hmm. when I look at Forza and Hi-Fi Rush and Like a Dragon Guyden, I think that f- I think that the right cut would be Like a Dragon. Um. Uh, just based on just based on 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 me comparing hi-fi with with that it just it's personally i i don't i i I think that uh the right move here would be to erase like a dragon guide in the man who erased his name and keep (laughs) two games that we're really passionate about you
0: might you might add me there because i i i think the one thing and i i love like a dragon guide um but Mm -hmm. the one thing that i will say is um it does lean on a lot of the conventions of the series you Mm -hmm. know uh, it's very very familiar. If you played if you played this one, you you'll know like oh that's yep they're doing that again. Oh yeah, yep. there's the, the locker keys laying around the, yeah, this, yeah, the city. Yeah, yeah. It it leans into the same conventions. It does have some padding where you have to do uh, at least for a portion of the game some some very throwaway side content to kind of move things along. And I would say narratively, um, there were parts of the story that got a little dry. Uh, yeah. And I I think that towards the the end of the game and obviously the ending of the game itself was highly emotional through the roof yeah i i think that leading up to that at times it wasn't always great and and yeah. i i am you know it's funny between this and like a dragon ishin which we both didn't really care for they keep coming back to this element of name changes that I'm yeah yeah I'm, yeah. I'm getting a little irritated with at times. Um, yeah. I I get it more in the context of this story than what they did mm-hmm. with the other story, but it is kind of like okay, they're returning to that that plot element again, and I'm kind of <laughs> and, and, kind of exhausted from that now, right? And there
1: was a, a lot of story moments in, in in Gaiden where it felt like characters were changing their minds. And, and motivations kind of on a whim just based mm. on yeah just based that's on true. the fact that okay we got to move the story along it's like really like we were so passionate about this one thing and all of a sudden that's gone and then a lot of take backs about you know in terms of oh i i feel a connection to this person and then the next scene is that person being kind of cold towards you <laughs> just because it's like I'm, i mean it just doesn't really always flow nicely
0: yeah, I would agree. I I think that could be the result of how short of a game it is compared to other ones where they just didn't have enough time to kind of, or they didn't give themselves enough time to build out more. Yeah. Um, you know, lead up to certain things. Things did sort of feel a, a bit abrupt and, and hot and cold in that way. I do agree. They had um, to and
1: they had to get this game out before Infinite Wealth because it ties right into it. Yes.
0: Yeah. That's also a great point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Look, I mean, I I'm not opposed to that. Are we are we feeling like that's the the last cut to get this down to 10? Yeah, or? I think that's okay. the move. Yeah. All right. Like a dragon, Gaiden, the man who erased his name is the last cut. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that does bring us down to our 10 games. Um, now, we haven't ranked them yet, so don't take this readoff as the final order. But just to refresh you on what is now our top 10 finalists, we have Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Forza Motorsport. Hi-Fi Rush, Hogwarts Legacy, Lies of P, Oxen Free 2, Lost Signals, Resident Evil 4, Starfield, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. So now, you stanky bitch, we gotta rank these hoes. <laughs> Why am
1: I stanky? I don't um, know. Okay, I, I I think what we could do here is automatically take Forza Motorsport and Hi-Fi Rush and move them down towards the bottom of the list.
0: I agree. Yeah, that they were yeah. kind of on the on the threshold there, so we should probably do that. Yeah, they were that. on
1: the bubble for quite some time. So I think yeah. those should, should be moved down towards the bottom. So that's what we'll
0: do. Um, um, now, do you have a preferred... What are you thinking in terms of order here? I think Hi-Fi would be a great number nine. I think it's just a, a yeah. much more dynamic game than Forza is, even at Forza's best it is still laps around the track.
1: That, that's kind of where I had, <laughs> that's kind of where I had my, the, that's kind of where I thought we would do. We Hi 5 Rush 9, Forza, the Motorsport 10, just based on okay. that. And I think those are, those are the games. I think those are the perfect nine and 10.
0: Yeah. I think we'll lock that in um, as the, the bottom two there. And I think that's, that's great actually. Now here's where things get pretty freaking interesting though, man, because we mm-hmm. have some truly fascinating games. We both really, really enjoy. Uh, that are still in need of being sorted here, Pablo. Um, uh, and I, I guess I guess what we should do, and, I, and <laughs> we're already kind of doing it now, is we're we're kind of working from the bottom up for yeah. the listeners. Uh, I think that's the safest way to do it. Um, oh my God. I think I trying to figure know. out a top three this early is just going to make things weird. <sighs> okay. I'm just throwing out some games now. I think we need to have some conversations before we really start figuring out what we're going to do so i'm gonna i'm gonna throw out a game it's not because i'm proposing that it should be the next it should be number seven or i'm sorry number eight
1: just the game we talk about
0: yeah um what is the temp on let's talk about hogwarts legacy what's the temp on that right now
1: yeah so Some little backstory on on my journey with with Hogwarts Legacy in terms of how it relates to the top 10 list. I had taken it out, put it back in, taken it out, put it back in, just based on certain aspects of that game and other games on, 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 on my list. Early on, anyway. I think where I'm at with Hogwarts Legacy is I think it's undeniably a great RPG. I think that... What Hogwarts Legacy does is it takes a licensed IP that's had a horrible history with, with, with video game properties and kind of got away from the entire Harry Potter you know, storylines and all that stuff and made its own kind of world within the established IP. And it's made by people who obviously love Hogwarts. I mean, the Hogwarts school itself is one of the best things in video games. It's here. It's in incredible. Of, yeah. In terms of its design. And I do think that the game has a lot of interesting characters and a lot of interesting story moments, a lot of things, a lot of choices that you make. Uh, I really think it's a great game. Um, I don't know if it's a game that's going to compete with other ones on the top of the list. Um, but I don't know if it's necessarily would be number eight, you know, or or seven even. But I I, I like it quite a bit. I like it a lot. I just do don't see, know. It, it,
0: do you see it more as like a, a middle of the pack game, a bottom half game? I mean, bottom half meaning six, seven, eight, I guess, since we already have nine and ten established uh, yeah, I don't. Just trying see to ballpark it.
1: this right now. I don't see it as a top five game, personally. Okay, okay. That's just me, though. I can okay. be convinced because I probably think it's it's six or seven. You know what I mean? Okay. Um,
0: I'm going to, and I know listeners can't see what we're doing on our sheet, but I'm just kind of moving things around to kind of get things in in the appropriate ballpark. Um, so we'll we'll revisit that. Um, okay. I think you made some fair points. I think, I think you know the the. The, how well realized this this depiction of Hogwarts and Hogsmeade and everywhere else in this game is just done so well. Um, I really, really enjoyed exploring it, especially as a, a relative newcomer to uh, the Wizarding World and Harry Potter and all that good stuff. I was really, really uh, entranced by the whole thing because it just felt so on point um, with what I was kind of learning in tandem with it through the books and the, and the films. Um and I guess that's part of a testament to the game. It really did get me in, in in a pretty big way interested in the IP beyond just the video game, which is you know pretty special. Yeah. Um, I will say I think some of the main story um, is you know um, not as good as the books by far, and uh, it, it does it does feel a little bit. Um, I don't want to say meandering, but it feels it feels like average. It's it's cool. At times. It's a it's fine. Yeah, it's a fine story. I think some of the side stories are pretty good. I think uh, some yeah. of the stuff with, um, you know the the side characters that, that you befriend in the game, uh, really go places by the time the, the game is over, and I, I like that a lot. But I would say the probably the biggest issue i had was that main story in the game yeah um the combat felt good i mean being in the open world felt good traversal in the open world felt good um with the broom and the gri- uh, hippogriffs oh
1: flying around it's awesome oh it's it so great
0: good. it's fantastic and the game just has really top-notch sound and in, in music and presentation um i guess yeah narratively i guess that's where i kind of see it um falling down a bit uh and being more of a bottom half game so i'm, I'm kind of yeah. with you there um okay so we're kind of in agreement there. We'll see where we ultimately put it in a, in a bit. But uh, let's talk about... Uh, all right, let's talk about Starfield. Let's yeah. talk about Starfield. What's going on there?
1: I think Starfield is is amazing. I think it's incredible. I, I, I think for me, when I look at what I like about Bethesda studio games and the RPGs they make that's what they that's what they wanted to do and that's what they did regardless of 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 what social media fans of of of, of xbox declared the game as the game of the generation what what bethesda went when to do is start a new ip but do the same kind of games that they've that they've always made um uh, i personally think that it accomplishes all of that and more i think one of the the weak points of a lot of the desert game is the main story, and I and I think the main story here of 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 Starfield is phenomenal. Uh, I think that the the individually the the faction missions were really f- well fleshed out, and, and you did so much, and it was really those were really those were really amazing. The problem that I had with those though is that they never really interacted with one another. You can be a a, a a ranger a, a space pirate and you can be a litany of things that contradict each of those things and it d- never comes together in a way where other games within Bethesda uh you know their library how they do like it, 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 in Fallout if you become part of the Brotherhood of Steel you can't become part of another faction you know you, those quests go away but I, I felt like a lot of that stuff didn't bode well for the game i think that the traveling system also with the the loading screens wasn't great at all it but overall my experience of the game and 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 how i feel about the game and how i think about the game and 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 being far removed from the game after about 100 hours into it i really think that this game was one hell of a time i i i loved every minute of it uh finding these these weird amazing side quests that that just were like just saw out of left field and 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 kind of how that kind of just gave, gave that Bethesda charm in terms of their writing in terms of how, the ideas they had and how they implemented that into the story. I don't know. I I I think this game gets a lot of shit. Obviously we 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 know that. Uh but I think it's one of the the top games of the year for me personally.
0: Okay. Um you know, when we talked about Hogwarts Legacy, I think one of the things that, you know, kind of knocked around in my brain as I was talking about it was narrative and I, I I actually I do disagree, um, you know, as far as my personal experience with the with Starfield story, I I did find it to be a bit flat, um, for the most part. I I guess there you know, and I kind of already used this when we talked about Spider Man, but when I, I, I do that reach back to find a memory of something narratively, uh in in Starfield that that spoke to me at Nothing really, nothing really did. Um, and I'm not oh. saying that that's, it's it's ultimately why I think it should be off, you know, at the bottom of the list or anything crazy like that. I just think that I, I guess I don't have as much of a fondness for the story they told. I do think that in terms of Bethesda storytelling, I think it it, it is pretty damn good. Um, but... You know, I I don't necessarily want to grade it on a curve either. I guess I was looking right, right, for right. a lot more. I was looking for a lot more player choice, leading to a lot of cause and effect. Like, where is the megaton moment in this game? Right. Where is that irreversible thing you do that there's no turning back? You have to choose between one big thing or the other big thing, and uh, there just wasn't really a lot of that going on. To the point where I felt like a lot of things happening narratively felt somewhat inconsequential in the grand scheme. Um, that it really didn't affect yeah. anything or didn't have a ripple effect that I think really radically put my imprint in the the universe, as it were. So. I think
1: that's, a, that's the cause of them doing such a focused uh, main quest. Uh, and that it had a lot of moving parts, but it mm-hmm. was all leading to this ending that I thought was, was great. Uh, and so due to that, I think that they couldn't really make the world change in a lot of ways because of that main narrative so it's kind of one of those things like i'm happy they did a really awesome narrative uh through line with the main quest but th- the cause of that is that the world itself doesn't really change based on well it does but not th- not in the game itself like it, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah there you, There's a, exactly you are you are the co- you are the the, the you are the, the harbinger of change for the entire game but you don't see that it's only kind of like the end okay the choices you make this is what how the world shaped based on your choices but mm-hmm. do you actually experience that no uh, and i and I, I i do agree with that that it was missing those moments but i don't know man it's one of those things for me where i think that Maybe Starfield isn't going to be that kind of game. Like maybe that IP isn't going to be th- the the Fallout or 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 the Elder Scrolls in terms of th- you causing change in the world as is, but rather a game that's a little more focused on its narrative. Uh, but I don't know. I, for that, I enjoyed it. For that, no, um, okay. I do agree. I, I do agree with some of your choices. Well, some of your okay. your, your,
0: uh, your thoughts. So, so w- where would you? Where do you want to go next? Well, well, I guess you know we do need to kind of get some of the the order in 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 order uh so what what strikes you is is maybe a a good kind of bottom half type of game for this list right now
1: um oxen free two lost signals um i think that obviously uh we love that game narratively it's amazing the things they do with the conversation and just kind of the sense of place the sense of people and characterization of each of those characters is, is so well done um, I, I just think that when we look at the entire game as a whole I, I just feel like other games on this list just are better all around Okay. Uh, even through the narrative aspect of it um, I, I think it's a game that is 100% deserves to be in our top 10 list uh, we have sang it's praises but I do think that Maybe it isn't among the top games of the of, of the year f- for me, anyway.
0: Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I loved the story uh, quite a bit, and I, I really enjoyed the relationships that were built throughout the game with uh, between Riley and Jacob, and then all the um, you know secondary characters that you can talk to via the radio. Um, and I loved the finale. Um, I, I will say, I think in hindsight, I do slightly prefer the first game over the second mm-hmm. game i think the the supernatural sci-fi component uh while it's done really really well here i yeah. think it was uh, the the things they do and the trickery they do in the first game um with like looping things and and uh that kind of th- i think it was done a lot more uh interestingly than, than than this game is where it was a known commodity obviously they couldn't really you know make it a mystery again because obviously we all know what's going on but i do think they could have done a little bit more cool stuff with moments which they did i mean there was one scene that that we had nominated as you know a best moment where um you know the things you know turn upside down and and, and, and it gets crazy but i i felt like there was a little bit more of that that i was wanting out of the game that it didn't provide um that i do prefer out of the first game now i I think I I can definitely subscribe to it uh as our combined list being uh kind of on the the back end here of of what we've got so I'll move it down there Would, um do you think this now, is number eight
1: that's what I was gonna say um i or, think or, or I we think talked about
0: Hogwarts I mean w- w-
1: what's w- what are we thinking here I, I'm thinking that lost I think the oxford free two is number eight I mean number okay.
0: yeah number eight yeah, yes. number eight Okay. Yeah. And Hogwarts is, for now, maybe a number seven possibility. I
1: think Hogwarts. I, honestly, I think seven, eight, or nine or ten are exactly how it is. Hogwarts being number seven, Oxenfree two, and High fi Rush at nine, and Forza Motorsport at ten. I think that's where I think that's where the list is.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, let's kind of soft lock that for now, um, and then we'll okay. kind of because I, we'll, we'll, I feel
1: that the next six here on the list are crazy. It's going to be a grind. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So then, let me kick it over to you, kind of. What? what where do you? Where do you want to drive us well, next? you go because I, I, I've driven the
1: last couple of ones. What well, do you I think about
0: Starfield? I brought up Starfield.
1: Oh no, you brought up Oxy yeah, yeah. Three too. Yeah. All right. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Um, matter. Whatever you want. Okay. Well, let's let's go ahead and talk about let's talk Baldur's Gate Three.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Baldur's Gate Three. Yeah. What's up?
1: Well, how about? <sighs> okay. I. I... <laughs> It's hard for me because I think this game, where I'm at, uh, it is just absolutely just be- It's just a- a- amazing right now. Uh, it, for me, I, I don't know if I can get the first 20 hours out of my head and how much I struggled with the game, but I'm about what, 75 hours in now and... I just I don't want the game to end. I am having the time of my life with it. I think that everything that uh, all the choices I made early on are now coming to light, and there's some uh, story moments that are really just kind of like mind-blowingly well done. Uh, A lot of the companion uh, storylines are coming to an end, and where each of those characters leave off are, are so different from where they they started. For better and for the worse, in terms of their characterization, uh, I think that the main story has picked up in a way where I'm I'm struggling with three or four different options to finish the game, and each of those options they 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 make a lot of sense, are very interesting, and, and, and but I'm having that 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 kind of which I love I'm having the real I'm role playing the game where I really don't know where I'm going to go in terms of how I'm going to end the game it, it, it really is just firing in all cylinders and the fact that I've gotten down my, my team comp and my and my personal uh, character right where I want them and, and I'm doing some real damage and, and, I'm, and I'm setting up certain things in the combat that are really working for me really really well uh, the, the whole D&D aspect of it I'm really getting into that and understanding how those things work how certain elements can affect it's just so deep and I'm in it right now. I'm so deep in it that I I feel like this game for me is possibly one of the top three, four games of the year for me right now. Uh in terms of everything that I've experienced. I know your experience has been very different from mine. Um what do you think?
0: Yeah, you know, it was it was it's been a crazy journey uh with Baldur's Gate 3 uh because I my first playthrough was rough. I didn't know what I, I didn't have my bearings whatsoever. I didn't understand the ebb and flow of a game like this. I didn't understand the the D and D component of it. So, I was trying to learn the game. I was trying to learn Dungeons and Dragons. I was trying to learn CRPGs, <laughs> um, and it, it just it it was very rigid for me at first, to the point where I actually scrapped my entire first playthrough, and I started clean over from the beginning. And I mean, I, I dropped a game that was probably 35, 40 hours in Ooh. just to start over. Um, and I found that as the dots were connecting and as I was starting to piece together exactly what this game was was offering me in terms of options and choice and freedom and then getting a wrangle on the CRPG mechanics and figuring out how to really maximize my, um, my, my game strategies and my tact and all that, I haven't been able to put this thing down, man. I really yeah, I'm haven't. You. It's um, it is as good as people say it is. It really, it really, really is. Um, I, I do have my gripes with some things narratively. I do think that there's a little bit of some, there are some at least in the the path that I've taken. There have been some lulls, uh, and there are some characters that I've recruited that I don't find particularly interesting. Um, there are certainly more charismatic people in my group than others. And I think that, uh, you know, leaning on those people are, have, has been super fun, but kind of wishing that there was a little bit more dynamism with the group as a whole uh, and that there maybe is more interaction with them together, where I think that doesn't come around nearly as much as I would hope for. Um, and I will say that I do think that some of the, the technical issues, they do have to be mentioned here. I mean, they, they it is... Yeah. It's got some frame rate problems, especially when you get up in Boulder's Gate itself. You're kind of going, "Damn, this is this is supposed to be in performance mode. It is in the 20s.
1: Yeah, <laughs> right there's now. some stuff happening there. That's um, not great.
0: There's some sound issues that I and you know, I experience pretty routinely. Um, I've I've had some problems where uh, the game has kind of you know uh, froze up on me. Um, not that it literally froze up, but like there's that somebody would be initiating a move they do it, they'd stop, and then nothing would happen at all until I restarted the game. So um, it does have some work to do. Um, it's understandable with how big of a game this is, how ambitious it is, that there are going to be those um, those those blemishes and scuffs. But um, mm-hmm. I, I do agree that it is, a, a, it is quite a special game. Um, so I, I think, I don't know if I'm ready to figure out whether it's top three yet, but I, I do think that it, it shouldn't be number six which is what we're kind of right, going right, to need right, to figure right. out no, next, no, right? No, 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 yeah. So, let me kind of propose a number six. Um, I think, to me, it would be either Resident Evil 4 or Lies of Pete.
1: Yeah. Um, okay, I, I, I just didn't know where you were going to be with Resident Evil 4, because, personally... I think Resident Evil 4 is amazing, you know, I think Resident Evil 2 Remake had made me a Resident Evil fan, and I know Resident Evil 4 is a game that a lot of people were saying it doesn't need a remake, you know, it's perfect the way it is, you know, a lot of people called it the, one of the best games of all time, and so it was gutsy for 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 Capcom to do what they did, and not only that, but accomplish it in a way where diehard fans love it. And fans like me who are just coming into to realizing how much I do love Resident Evil also loved it. Uh, I, I think for me, I still think Resident Evil Two is slightly better in my opinion, uh, and I loved everything about Four. However, uh, when we're looking at the quality of games on the list this year, I would I would put Resident Evil Four at number six. That's kind of where I where I would have it. You but,
0: not not just compared to liza p but just in general that's where you think
1: in general and also compared to liza p though because I, I i i think that liza p for me would be my five okay in here okay. On our list. yeah
0: yeah i don't i don't have a problem with putting re4 down at at the sixth spot i um you know and, and it's not and i want to be very clear we, we don't on this show we don't hold remakes uh, you know, it, it, we don't no. we don't grade them on a curve or we don't, you know, think of them as less than because they're remakes. I think if you do uh, an outstanding job with a remake and you really surpass expectations, we don't... There's no remake tax <laughs> for, no, this, absolutely for this uh, not. <laughs> at all. Um, but I do think that uh, in terms of what is left over on this list to sort out, I think that those games... Uh, to me, sound like they are more prolific to either one or both of us uh, than Resident Evil Four is. So I am actually quite content leaving it at number six. Okay, let me, right. let
1: me ask you this: because not that you weren't high on it, but Starfield doesn't doesn't sound like a game that you would put above Resident Evil Four.
0: It's it, it's tricky, right? Because I I think looking at this from a collective perspective right i i think that the good outweighs the bad with starfield in my opinion i I, i'm not of the belief that other people have of it where it's just oh it's a complete failure it was boring it was this It was that um i think both of these games are if we're comparing re4 and starfield i think it's it's it both these games are good it's a little hard to compare a remake with starfield because um re4 was already kind of re4 um and I think Starfield is a lot more risky and ambitious. Um yeah. but it's always going to be an apples to oranges comparison no matter what we do here. Yeah, Resident so, Evil
1: 4 was a known commodity while Starfield is a brand new IP. Sure. Yeah.
0: Um, um and, and again, I, I'm not saying that we should hold that against our Resident Evil Four either, but no. I do but I, I think something that you said is interesting when you talked about RE two still being kind of your favorite remake of the of the yeah. series. I think I think all the remakes they've done have been outstanding. Um but I, I i do i will say i do go back and forth um between this mm-hmm. one and r e two is is which one i think is the best remake that's ever been made um and you know it it changes all the time so um i i think that i guess it feels like there's a little bit more certainty um around well actually they both have a similar level of certainty that they're both great games, but um yeah. I guess I mean I guess to just kind of spell this out plainly you would rather have RE4 at 6 and Starfield maybe what at 5?
1: Yeah that's kind of where I would okay. I would like them but I, I don't do think that. that I do think that they could flip flop and I wouldn't have a problem either way
0: okay. um, I mean and you were very impassioned about Starfield um, even more than myself and I think that does yeah. count for something uh, when it comes to our combined list so why don't we go ahead and put RE4 at number six and we will put, should we, and by the uh, way, listeners, we will refresh you in just a second. Okay.
1: Yeah. Should we What's lock the, the bottom six and, 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 and and start kind of going through the top five now? I think, well, I think,
0: yeah, I think we need to. So here's what we have right now. And we'll, we'll take one more look at this towards the end and make sure we we're feeling all right. But right now we have number 10 as Forza Motorsport. We have number nine as Hi-Fi Rush. We have number eight, as oxen freak two seven is hogwarts legacy six is re4 and as of right now at least five is starfield so um i think that's in a good enough place to kind of maybe hash out the the top four if, if that's okay well, with you uh, before but or we do, do that, you want to revisit anything
1: i i kind of want to revisit starfield at five a little bit as it compare with you as it compares with lies with lies of p
0: I, um, man, that's a, that's a that's a really tough one. Um, I think Liza P. really, really has me excited to be, um, to be honest with you, because it's it's really the first traditional Souls like game that I've ever liked, yeah. or finished. Honestly, and I'm not counting Elden Ring. That's a whole different beast. I mean, traditional yeah. Souls like games. So I guess I just have. I it has a special place in my heart. I agree um, for that, um, you know. I, I'll 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 make an even bolder claim later, <laughs> and when we get okay. to personal stuff. But I am very happy with Liza P, and and for what it okay. was, and and, and you know, I have no I have no issue with it being you know fairly high up on the list. So,
1: so I, I kind of want to be honest with ourselves here, and and I think I I would say here, without a doubt. The top three games for us are Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, and The Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom. In which order? I don't know, but yeah, I'm okay with that. Something, yeah. I think that's I think that's where we should lean because honestly, in ways that we've spoken about these games, I think that even though we really haven't spoken about Alan Wake too much uh, yet, I do think that those are the games that really stood out for us this year uh, among the best games of the year. Yeah, I, unless I'm, you want to make any kind of crazy change right now with with four or five or anything, as it, as it compares to one, two or three. Here's kind of what I want to do. Uh,
0: I okay. I think that I think that I feel very good about the bottom three, and I think I'm going to feel very good about the top three. I I think what I want to do is maybe when we establish the top three. Or maybe we can do this now.
1: I, I kind of
0: the middle of the pack of this list. I I I want to make sure we're we're really really on board with how this is looking. So right now, in that the middle of the pack, I guess four through seven. Liza P would be at four. Starfield at five. Re four at six, and Hogwarts Legacy at seven. Um, how does that feel? Because I think that's. That's, I guess, where mentally I I don't feel locked energy, particularly with four through six. I I, I guess I'm cool with Hogwarts being at seven, but um, is there anything you know? I know I'm speaking very open endedly here. Is there anything hitting you about Lies of Peace, Starfield, and RE4 being in that order, good or bad?
1: I feel good about it, but. I kind of would like to see Starfield in top five. Well, it would be. I mean, right now it's currently uh, at five. I mean, I mean, like uh, not just five, like barely making five, like like, like at five, like at four, like above okay. five. Just because I love I love lives to pee, Uh I think that uh, it's for me. It's not a Souls. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. As a Souls Like, I think it's just as good as the other From Software offerings. Um, I just think the ambition of Starfield is so much grander, and and everything that they accomplish in that game just speaks to me. A little bit more than it does. with of P. I think Lies of P. does a great job. I just think that the the the, the inspiration behind Lies of P. being bloodborne and taking a lot of things from right. other from software games is 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 an established format that they've 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 perfected for their own uh, IP here with Lies of P. Uh, but I do think that ultimately, for me it, and how I feel about those games, I think that Starfield is just does more. And, and, and I just, I've got more out of Starfield than I did out of Liza P, even though I absolutely love Liza P.
0: Okay. I, I, can, I can roll with that. Can you potentially roll with flipping RE4 and Liza P? Because I'm more passionate about RE4. I think, to speak plainly, I think, oh, pound for pound, I think it's a better game. Than Liza P and I love Liza P. Don't get me wrong. Um, mm, I think I, I think if I, if I'm splitting hairs about Liza P, I think narratively, um, while I love the recontextualization of the Pinocchio story, I do think they can kind of get lost in the trappings of the From Software brand of storytelling, where it's all very like ghostly dialogue, and everybody can be a little less direct than I want them to be, and they can speak very cryptically at times to the point of exhaustion. Um, some things are not. Fully clear about what's going on and and certain motivations, uh, particularly with bosses, because they hide a lot of that behind like um, this text that you can't read until you play New Game Plus or something like that. So it it does kind of, I guess what I'm saying is that the the story of Liza P is 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 it's impressive in its recontextualization of the tale, but I think some of the execution um, can be a little draining for me at times um, to the yeah, point I'm where go- I'm like, I'm I just want to really- know what's going on. Can you tell me what's going on? <laughs> like, what am
1: I doing? <laughs> I, I'm i good with that. I think resident evil 4 being one of our top five games of the year. I think that's, I think that's good. I, 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 okay. I, I like that for our list. I do.
0: Now I'm not saying re four has a better story. I mean, it's, it's a resident evil story. That's going to be campy by nature. I just think that pound for pound, it's <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's just such a well-made, well-paced re, invention of, of such a classic that was already there. Um, I'd I love to see that. it at five well, I like at the it. very bottom.
1: I, li- um, I like this. I like, I like four through ten quite a bit.
0: Okay, I feel better about it now. That feels more lockable in my brain. Yeah. Um, okay. Alright, man. So, we got top three to talk about now. Um, I think I want to talk about number three, uh, and I think um, if I had to propose one, I would throw... I don't know how you're going to feel about this, but I I would personally feel pretty good about putting Baldur's Gate three here. Um, I would love to see Alan Wake and Zelda fighting for the top spot personally. Cause I think we'll we'll talk more about Alan Wake in due time, but I just think that that game is, uh, such a, a, an artistic display of excellence in so many different ways, uh, while also being a, a very good survival horror experience, and interweaving uh, this dual campaign structure that could have been horrible, but really kind of worked and juxtaposed really nicely together and contrasted nicely as well to keep things fresh so that we're not stuck in one place doing one thing for too long. And I just think that it's doing so many things and it doesn't nail everything. Um, yeah. and we can talk about that if we feel compelled to say Boulder Gate three should be more deserving of a higher spot. Um, if it does less wrong in your opinion, but, um, I want to get your thoughts on Baldur's Gate three being number three and where where you're at with that.
1: I agree with you. I I think that Baldur's Gate three at three is, 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 is kind of where I would like it as well. Um, obviously we suck its praises here. It is as good as people say it is. I just, I personally, it's not better than those two, those top two games for me. Uh, in terms of an all-around experience you know I I love what Tears of the Kingdom did I love what Alan Wake did I think those two games definitely deserve to be in the top to kind of fight out what's going to be our top game of the year I I think Baldur's Gate 3 came up a long way because it wasn't it wasn't in our top 10 lists for most of the year and we had to do a lot and it, you know it we had to do a lot for it to kind of click with us there was a lot of homework you know that we had to do with Baldur's Gate 3 to, to kind of get it right where we wanted you had to play 40 hours basically a 40-hour tutorial to kind of get your bearings I had to do a lot of like kind of a restructuring with some of my with some of my uh, companions and, and yeah, kind of too. understand and even re- see some YouTube videos to learn certain aspects of the game and that, that is is great because it's working for me now, but I can't discount, like I said, those first twenty hours that I had that were very uh, obtuse in a way that I wasn't having the best time with it. So for me, I, I think that based on that alone, I think that the game Baldur's Gate 3 can go higher than than three, personally.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm comfortable with it too. I agree. Um, I think that the onboarding experience of Baldur's Gate 3 is is a little is a little lacking. Um, maybe a lot lacking. Um, I I think it Mm -hmm. just, I guess it's one of those games that kind of depends on people having previous knowledge of Baldur's Gate, CRPGs and D &D. and D. And if if you're not that person, uh, which I imagine a good portion of of all of us are out there, it can be tough, um, getting your bearings. And I, I never love when I have to do a lot of extracurricular research to figure out the basics um, everything from mm-hmm. how to level up uh, my companions effectively to literally how to pull out a torch. Um, you know, yeah. I, I think those types of things can be a bit um, rough around the edges. Now, once you know what you need to know, then it's 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 on and pop it. It's great. It's a fun time. It's, you know, it's, it's all the things. But I do think that it can be a bit rigid in some ways that it probably shouldn't have been when it when it came out um right, and, right, and right. i will say that narratively um while i love how much it's attempting to do and how much um, how many branching paths there are to get from point a to point b to point c i will say that the you know the mind flayer tadpole thing it it does at least for me it it does feel like one of those things i kind of wish uh, didn't follow the story all the way through Um, I was hoping for something that kind of got resolved early, but it still is, you know, at least from kind of where I've been, uh, you know, it it seems like it's going to be a a factor to the very end. Um, Unless I've done something critically different that, you know, changes things. And I I guess I I, I wanted more uh, of a hook than just let's get this thing out of our brains, guys. You know, like. That to me kind of got a little tiring, but not to the point where it's keeping me from enjoying everything else that this game is excelling at narratively,
1: yeah, I think there's certain motivations do change and certain things come up where those those become the same focus, but a, a different focus, but the the focus still remains it's within that getting that tadpole out of your head and and yeah, I think that there's a lot of good things about the story, but I don't think it ever reaches the heights of the of the of these two games, okay. Yeah. So we'll put
0: it at three. Um, that leaves Alan Wake two and Tears of the Kingdom. Um, Pablo, I, I, I don't think I need two guesses to, to tell where you are gonna be leaning here unless you got a plot twist like a motherfucker for me. But, uh, no, is Tears of the I Kingdom your number I, one? Uh, yeah. is it, is it our I, number yeah. one? I mean, sorry.
1: I think, it, I, I think it is. I mean, I, look, Damn. I think Tears of the Kingdom had a huge he choose to fill being the sequel to Breath of the Wild. And for me, it surpassed that game, I think, in every way possible. It has a better story, recontextualizing and challenging everything you would expect from a mainline Zelda game. takes huge chances with legendary video game characters. It gives Zelda more to do. No longer is she someone you got to go and get. She's now the heart of the entire game. Better gameplay, things like Ascend... Ultra Hand, Fuse, Recall on their own Th- those would be the main focus of any other game and it would be con- considered revolutioni- revolutionizing revolutionizing the, the the industry and it has all those four things and it uses them and it gives them to you to you at at, at, at your disposal and you can use them as you want you can do so many things with, with 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 those abilities but even then i mean it's not even hitting you over the head with that you you can there are moments where you should use a sen and if you don't remember there's still ways to get out of certain a- situations without those things uh the the world is more expansive the addition of the temples the underdark the sky islands the game is packed little, literally from top to bottom there it's just it's an accomplishment in in, in video game design uh and, and look and, and and let's let's not beat around the bush here that story has some of the most incredible moments that I've experienced this year but obviously as a as a, as a Zelda fan for me pound for pound it's the best Zelda story of all time, like, bar none, in my personal opinion, so the game really does a lot, and it, it, it doesn't necessarily hold your hand through some of the gameplay stuff, and that can frustrate some people, but once you get in that zone, once you understand those abilities, and, and once you kind of get what you're doing, I mean, it, it's just, it, it's a game-changer for me, honestly, it, it's just, it's just a, an executed, an execute in every way possible to the best of its ability and i and i love this game to to the pieces
0: yeah it's uh it's such a strange little duel here between alan Wake 2 and in zelda because um in in you know it might not be popular to say this but i think they both miss in certain areas that i i think are i don't know if i would go as far as say glaring but it was noticeable i think that they both um they are both, I think the two, maybe you could throw Baldur's Gate 3 in there, but I think they're two of the most ambitious games we've seen this year, I think, in in my personal opinion. And and with ambition comes, um, you know, moments that may not necessarily be as, as uh, awesome as you'd hope. I think in the case of Zelda, um, I'll be honest, I didn't like a couple of those different dungeons that that were in the game. I think, uh, you know, I'd like two Mm -hmm. out of the four, I would say. Um, And I, and it was a pretty big, gulf in in like to dislike, I would say. Um, I like all four of them better than what we got out of Breath of the Wild's uh, so-called dungeons uh, by far, but I wasn't loving two of them. Um, I do think that some of the side quests in Tears of the Kingdom are very, very simplistic and rudimentary uh, to a point where they're oftentimes just not particularly interesting to do, um, which... Um, you know, they're optional. They're not making you do anything you don't want to do. I guess as somebody who really likes to kind of explore and see what certain towns need help with, uh, with good old Link, it, it. a lot of times I felt a little bit let down by um, how simplistic some of the things were they were asking me to do. There were a couple places that had, like, you know, this, this mayor thing going on uh, between two different yeah, people yeah. in town, and, you know, there was a little bit more carrying the side content there, but I felt like overall it was... All fairly basic stuff. Um, thankfully, the game doesn't hang its hat on side content carrying players through the game, but I do think that it is worth calling out, um, you know, since we are splitting follicles right now, that, like, you know, that <laughs> stuff to me was um, a little bit lacking. So, you know, is, is, and in terms of Alan Wake 2, um, I think some of the hairs I'd split there is that um, the convolution in the storytelling uh, is intentional. It is meant to be disorienting. It is meant to capture the confusion and the gotta figure this out energy that Alan has, uh, particularly in his side of, of things. I do think that at times that can be, at times, a little draining because you're kind of mentally trying to piece together all of these different threads and mysteries. And uh, when you get to the credits, I mean, some of them do get answers and a lot of them don't. So, um, you yeah. know, uh, unfortunately, you know, until we see what the DLC is going to amount to, there are some of those missing pieces that I am interested to see uh, get, get you know, clarity and resolution. But I do think that it did end um, with quite a few loose ends and maybe a bit more than... um I would have been comfortable with. Um, but again, it wasn't it to the point where I'm like, oh, well, that was a total waste of time. That didn't move the needle at all. Not at all. I don't right, feel that right, way no, one no. bit. But um, I, I guess I guess if... I, but, I think our list makes more sense with with probably Zelda being on top, though. I think that's just kind of...
1: But I... Yeah. And I, and I kind of want to say when it comes to specifically uh, Remedy, like, they didn't r- sacrifice... Anything in terms of what their vision was, like, sure they could have probably made things less less obscure for the sake of commercializing it and, and and possibly making more money, but they didn't they didn't do that. They had artistic integrity and they really wanted to make the game they wanted to make. Like you said, the 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 kind of confusion uh, of it all, the obfuscation of, of story elements, it's all on purpose. And you may think that that leads up to this moment at the end of the game where it's all things are answered, but It's not because that's not where... That's not where the story is going. They're, they're going someplace with this, whether or not we get that in an Alan Wake 3 or a Control 2 or whether or not we uh, get that with, with the DLC. There's more to come here, and I feel like the the questions that they did answer were the one were, were, were ones that we wanted answered the most, and the things that were lingering, I think those are going to be really cool tie-in moments with, with other games, because remember this is part of a shared universe now, and so they have to leave some of those, those threads a little bit loose so they can pull on them a little as 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 time goes on with what they're making here. I, I also think that this game kind of you know bolsters Sam Lake into the pantheon of like great d- game developers and, and game directors because I think that his vision is uncompromising. A lot of the credit we give Kojima for his stuff is the same thing we can be we can that can be said for Sam Lake in a lot of ways. And I think that 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 is something that we should definitely uh, also reward. Um, listen, I, I think that for, I. I I have a a Zelda tattoo on my body Uh, and I don't think that, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I felt that, Tears of the Kingdom is by far the best game of the year. I do think that there is room to possibly, you know, talk about Alan Wake 2 being our, our, our the best game of the year, uh, our number one. I think that's completely fair. Uh, I, I think that the game does so much and we're narrative-driven people and this game is takes so much big swings with its narrative and and, and tells a story unlike anything that I've seen in other games. You know, uh, I think Control was a little bit like that, but it was a little bit more controlled in its story I think Alan Wake 2 takes goes goes pretty far in, in terms of like what it's what it's trying to do and, and how it's trying to make you feel by kind of you know hiding things in plain sight and 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 and, and giving you the the dual storyline that comes together at the end and, and things that you do with saga how they help Alan wake and there's certain moments where you know that you did with Alan wake that when you go back to saga you understand those moments a little bit more and how they they tell that story in that way is, is 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 so amazing and I think that they're they're really doing a lot with the story. It's not a, a, a it's not an A through Z narrative. There's a lot of happening here and I think that's an accomplishment. And and for people for guys like us who've been on this who've been doing this for almost two years now and, and kind of just always praising a game for its narrative. I mean if we're gonna give a game a a top honor because of its narrative and how much it it did. I think this would be the year, but I I guess that would really be up to you in terms of how you would feel, how you feel about that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that both games could be a great number one. Um, So I think we have, I think we have the right two here uh, at at the very least. I think I'm leaning for us uh, tears of the kingdom being number one. And and I think that the main reason why is, you know, we've said our piece about both games at this point. I think that ultimately Alan Wake 2 is still, the experience is not done yet. Right. I think with the, the, this is one of those things where the DLC and the expansion content is a essential part of the complete Alan Wake 2 experience. It's not one of those things where you can do it and move on. And, you know, you're, that's, that's just Alan Wake 2. You have I mean, the new game plus yeah. component of it alone is yeah. oh, changing yeah. variables and and introducing new threads to the mix as well. And with two expansions planned, I think that there's there's a lot of stuff that is already great and brilliant about the, the, the base game now, but until we see how the rest of the pieces fall into place, I think that's when we'll kinda know yeah where things are uh, with Alan Wake 2 in, in hindsight. But I think right now, Tears of the Kingdom, and for me, feels like a more complete, done, experience. this is the experience, yeah. and we don't need anything else. And I think that there is something that is quite good about that.
1: And they're really, really splitting hairs. The technical issues with Alan Wake 2 uh, are also something that you know can't mm-hmm. totally be ignored. So, yeah.
0: so Pablo... Um, I want us to take just a mental skim through of what we have before I read off the top ten to see if there's any last any last concerns or wondering about this or that uh before we lock this whole thing in are are you feeling good? Is this looking right in your brain in your crazy ass brain or is there, <laughs> is there, or is there, is there that one thing that's making you go uh
1: eh. No, I think that I think this is right. I I I think one through ten. I think is 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 perfectly kind of uh, embodies our experience with video games. It's here, you know. I think we had some surprises in here that we didn't expect, and some games that we expected to do well and did well. You know, Uh, so I think this is perfect. Honestly,
0: okay, I think I'm with you, ladies and gentlemen. We have our cooldown time. Top ten games of 2023 and they are as follows coming in at number 10 is forza motorsport coming in at number nine is hi-fi rush at number eight oxen free 2 lost signals at number seven hogwarts legacy at number six lies of p coming in at number five is resident evil 4 At number four is Starfield. At number three is Baldur's Gate 3. At number two is Alan Wake 2. And our cooldown time Game of the Year winner goes to the number one game, The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. Let's go. That was a lot of fun, man. Um,
1: Yeah. I I don't want to get too ahead
0: of myself, man, but I, 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 I feel... And we might feel totally different six months from now. But I feel pretty good about this list, you know.
1: I do, too. I, I do, too. There there might be some, some outliers towards the end of the list. Maybe if, if, for example, uh, you know, the Cursed Crew, if that really hits yeah. hard with us, maybe it can sneak in there at the end. But I don't think we've missed anything really throughout the year that could challenge this top ten list, honestly. Mm-hmm
0: yeah I, i'm with yeah. you there i'm with you there i think we covered plenty of bases and i, I also like that our list is fairly eclectic there's a r- sim racing game that made the cut there's yeah a weird cell shaded platformer that made the cut you know there's narrative driven games there's crpgs which we never have on lists so i think we really Hell no. we ran the spectrum on this bitch man i think we did our thing <laughs> um I'm, I'm liking what we got um so ladies and gentlemen um look we're not done don't go anywhere yet um we still have our personal top 10 list to reveal and trust me they're not necessarily going to be uh particularly one and the same with what we have here in some ways so don't 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 touch that dial if you if you have a dial on your phone um
1: (laughs) which why would you right
0: (laughs) but look before we do keep going though um, if you've made it this far, if you've enjoyed these discussions and how we came to this consensus about the top 10 games of 2023, um, we really love it. If you consider subscribing to our show right now, um, we're obviously wherever you're listening to us at the moment, but just in case you're curious, we are on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google. We also put up audio versions of the show up on YouTube. Uh, so we have plenty of different ways where you can find us. And if you do happen to, uh, find us and subscribe. We'd also love it if you could take a few seconds because it really just takes that long to leave a five-star review Uh, if if you happen to be listening to us on a place that has a review system like a Spotify or an Apple. um, That works wonders for uh, smaller indie podcasts like ours um, in terms mm-hmm. of getting us up the search results and the algorithm. And it lets us compete with some of the big names out there that you might not even like all that damn much. So you'd be doing uh, <laughs> us a favor and your own self a favor by uh, getting us up the, the, the list um, as it were. But, but look, um, we have... We have more to do here, man. Uh, we have our combined cooldown time top ten games of 2023, but as I just mentioned, we do have our own personal lists where we get to really lean into our own, um, you know, personal experiences and personal expression about uh, the games that that truly spoke to us and um, ranking them how we want to without compromise, without having to deal with Pablo's crazy ass. Um, <laughs> All right, now that Cooldown Time's Top 10 Games of 2023 has been decided, it is now time for us to pivot and reveal to you our personal Top 10 Games of 2023, which are actually quite different than the list that we just uh, finalized together. So, uh, in the interest of personal expression... Uh, Me and Pablo have each decided to uh, prepare our own separate monologues where we will effectively run through all of our favorite games of 2023 and express why those games were so meaningful and prolific to us and how they defined our year. So what we've each done is we've compiled uh, two different lists for you. Uh, First and foremost, we have a list of five honorable mentions of games that we really, really enjoyed, but didn't quite make the cut in cracking the top 10 for ourselves. And then, of course, we have our top 10 games of the year. We'll run through every single game on that list from 10th all the way up to 1st and tell you why each of those games means so much to us as gamers. So, I will go ahead and kick things off, ladies and gentlemen, and I'll start with my honorable mentions here. And uh, coming in at my fifth honorable mention is a game called Coffee Talk Episode 2, Hibiscus and Butterfly. Now, that name might be a mouthful, but this game is actually quite simple as a concept. You are essentially playing as a barista who has a coffee shop, which is called Coffee Talk, that only opens up at night. And essentially, uh, you are welcoming in a mixture of regulars that always come to your coffee shop. Those people are from the first game. And you also have newcomers who come in for the very first time. And what they basically do is they come in and express their thoughts and feelings about life and uh, their struggles, their hardships, their triumphs, their um, concerns, and everything in between, all while ordering coffee that you will be preparing for them in very simplistic fashion. And you guys just essentially shoot the breeze, and um, you get to know these people on a very intimate level uh, for who they are and what they're going through. Uh, It's an especially moving game in that regard because it's very relatable in many ways. And it's also a really good breath of fresh air uh, as a very down-tempo, lo-fi experience that is very warm and cozy feeling, which is a nice contrast compared to the loud and bombastic AAA marquee games that most people love talking about uh, all year long. So, It was really a nice change of pace for me, and it was a nice palate cleanse that I thoroughly enjoyed. Although some aspects of this game were not quite done as well as the first game, particularly with its narrative, uh, it was still an outstanding game that I wanted to give some flowers to uh, for this show. So, shout out to Coffee Talk Episode 2, Hibiscus, and Butterfly. My fourth honorable mention here is Bomb Rush Cyberfunk. The spiritual successor to Jet Set Radio Future has indeed arrived, and it is everything that a fan of Jet Set Radio could have ever imagined, and then some. It retains the signature cel-shaded art style, the incredible music, the graffiti, the skating, And the wit and charm that comes with this type of game in mind-blowing fashion to the point where this might genuinely be, pound for pound, one of or maybe even the best spiritual successor we've ever seen in the gaming space. Um, It's so well done that in some ways it almost feels like a game that you're playing via backwards compatibility, but it's actually brand new. Uh, And that's because of how true to form it is to what made Jet Set Radio so meaningful and so amazing back in its heyday on Dreamcast and OG Xbox, Uh, right down to uh, preserving some of the graphical flaws intentionally, like pop-in and uh, low-res textures when you zoom in up close. So, I think the only downfall this game truly has, in my opinion, is that it attempts to do some combat stuff that I don't think particularly works the best, but it's by no means awful or detrimental to the game as a whole. I think by and large, this game was just genuinely a pleasant surprise. I just wish I had more time to spend playing it because more um, games came out this year at around the time that this came out on consoles that uh, needed my attention first. And so I'm pledging right now that I'm going to get back to it uh, sometime in 2024 To finish it out And see where things go With that story Which actually wasn't quite That bad at all uh, It was kind of a pleasant surprise In that regard too So shout out to Bomb Rush Cyberfunk uh, For being a really Really good spiritual successor To a Dreamcast classic um, At my third honorable mention spot I have Hi-Fi Rush here uh, talk about a game made out of left field <laughs> uh, Tango Gameworks the makers of The Evil Within and most recently Ghostwire Tokyo which I loved uh, comes out with uh, of all things something that's not a horror game at all but in fact a uh, quirky cell-shaded rhythm-based action beat-em-up with light-hearted humor and uh, really cool licensed music uh, who would have thought right I mean genuinely who would have thought Uh, But nevertheless, here we are. Um, This game is so bold and brave for being what it is. Uh, There's really nothing else in the market quite like it. Um, And it just oozes with charm and personality at every turn uh, and really was one of the bigger uh, surprises that I played uh, this year, uh, especially coming from somebody who was really kind of hoping for more horror games from Tango as opposed to something like this. So for me to be a skeptic turned uh, converted in uh, the way that I am, uh, really says a lot about how much of a really fun time this game was. It made me laugh. It made me lock in and enjoy the the combat. Um, I, I really did have a, a thoroughly good time with this game, despite some of its flaws. Um, which it does have. Uh, I think some of the licensed music that um, plays during boss fights is great, but a lot of the music that you hear uh, during the uh, regular portions of the game leave a lot to be desired to the point where the the rhythm-based combat isn't exactly as fun when you're just hearing very bland generic guitar riffs like, you know, it just doesn't do a lot for me in that way. I think some of the platforming sections are not very well made, and I also think that even the level design in certain places can feel a little bit repetitive and uninspired. Um, But otherwise, I think that Hi-Fi Rush was genuinely, genuinely a a fun game to play that I really, really can't wait to see more of uh, when this game hopefully gets its uh, sequel sometime soon. So shout-out to Hi-Fi Rush. Um, My second honorable mention this year goes to Dead Space. Um, I am somewhat of a survival horror connoisseur, and I think that Dead Space is one of those franchises that really represents the best of what this genre has to offer. However, I always felt a strange disconnect with the series back in its heyday. Um, while I appreciated its brand of horror, I always felt like the limitations of the PS3 and Xbox 360's hardware really kept Dead Space from being as prolific of a horror experience as I think they intended it to be. So, in many ways, I think this remake of the original Dead Space confirmed a lot of those long-running suspicions that I had, that more could have been done. Because I think that this darker and drippier and more brooding uh, version of the USG Ishimura feels way more realized than its predecessor. It feels way more refined in terms of gameplay. And I think the more harrowing moments that evoke Uh, unease, It really come through a lot better than they did all those years ago. But I do think that the game ultimately does reprise a few too many dated scare tactics and narrative shortcomings, despite the strides it takes to give Isaac uh, a voice and an active role in the dialogue of the game. I still think that there's some things that just don't come together quite well in that regard, and things do feel a little bit samey after a while in the Ishimura Despite some of the things that they did to evolve uh, the ship, uh, it can get a little repetitive looking, and you get a little bit worn out—at uh, least I did—or fatigued of of the the look and feel being so dark and brown and brooding. Um, I wish there was a little bit more variety, I, I, I guess I should say. But other than that, I think Dead Space was a great remake with uh, amazing presentation values, great sound design, great lighting, great shadows, uh, and a great feel that really left an impression on me. So. Congratulations to Dead Space. Um, and coming in at my number one honorable mention of 2023, that goes out to Marvel Spider Man 2. Um, look, whether you're excited about their Marvel centric future or you're not, um, I think one thing we can't deny is that Insomniac Games truly knows what makes comic based games click. It takes cinematic flair, it takes epic set pieces. Intuitive gameplay and plenty of those air quotes, love letter moments uh, to both earn and keep the trust of the comic community. And I think Marvel Spider Man 2 delivers those elements in spades um, with its top notch presentation values, its expanded recreation of New York, its fluid combat, its flawless traversal. I, I really think that Marvel Spider Man 2 is an absolute showpiece of a game that encapsulates how far the industry has come with doing our favorite superheroes justice in the gaming space. Um, Now, while its middling story and its uninspired side content do keep the game from reaching new heights, I think it never lacked in energy or confidence or consistency at any point throughout the journey. So while I agree that Marvel Spider-Man 2 could have been more bold and daring compared to its predecessors, I think its reliability and its familiarity Um, were kind of like comfort food for my year in gaming. So, shout out to Marvel Spider-Man 2 as um, the top honorable mention of the year. Now, that brings us to my official top 10 favorite games of 2023. And coming in at number 10 is Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name. Um... Look, as a a day one Yakuza fan, nothing, and I mean nothing, makes me happier than seeing this series break through the mainstream to get the attention I think it deserves. Um, But what makes this particular game so special is how much it means and signifies for longtime fans like me. Um, in, In many ways, Like a Dragon Gaiden is the culmination of everything that Kazuma Kiryu has endured throughout every chapter of his insane life. It's a game that explores his identity, his sense of duty, his unbreakable resolve, and what he holds dear in ways that only a longtime fan could truly grasp and understand. Although I think the game's overall structure is perhaps too familiar and somewhat padded and oftentimes predictable in certain moments, I think that this quaint 10-hour story still packs an incredible punch of melodrama, quirkiness, and fun that I think made it one of the best and most emotionally charged games that I played in all of 2023. So, number 10, Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name. Coming in at number 9... Baldur's Gate 3. And I get it. Some of you are very, very accustomed to hearing this game in everyone's top three or number one. And so hearing it being in my number nine might be a little bit jarring. But look, as someone who doesn't play Baldur's Gate, as someone who doesn't play Dungeons and Dragons, and as someone who doesn't play CRPGs, <laughs> the the odds of me falling head over heels in love with Baldur's Gate 3 were never really in my favor. So I will readily admit that my time with the game has been quite different compared to your average fan. Um, And that's okay. Because even then, the more I played, the more I learned, and the more I explored, the more of a revelation Baldur's Gate 3 ultimately became for me. Um, What people have said about Baldur's Gate 3 is true. It is indeed one of the most prolific role-playing games of our time, uh, with breathtaking player freedom, astonishing depth, memorable characters, and an amazing combat system. I mean, Larian Studios truly left no stone unturned to make Baldur's Gate 3 a very pliable experience that can handle virtually any role-playing fantasy of our wildest dreams, whether you're good or evil, or a man or a woman, or an elf or a human, or a lover or fighter, (laughs) everything that you are and everything that you do is seen, recognized, and accounted for in this game in truly mind-blowing fashion, which makes Baldur's Gate 3 an unequivocal standout of the year. I will say, however, and this is perhaps the newcomer in me, that I think that the tutorial and onboarding of this game is very, very anemic to the point where I don't think that it truly sets players up for success as well as it could have, to the point where I think that a lot of YouTubing and a lot of Googling is borderline essential to play this game effectively, which I don't particularly like. I will also say that I think some of the quest structure and the way that quests are given can feel a bit haphazard at times, particularly in Act 3, where I feel like a bomb goes off of unfinished plot threads that can be very uh, overwhelming to navigate through. And I will also say that I think the quest log and the map system really were not as effective or as useful as I think they should be for a game that is expansive as this is. But does the good outweigh the bad? 100%. So that's why Baldur's Gate 3 is one of my favorite games of the year. Just not quite as high as you'd expect based on what other people say about the game. But still in all, fantastic time. Baldur's Gate 3 at number 9. Now coming in at number 8 is a game that I didn't expect would be here, let alone this high up on the list. But that is Forza Motorsport. And look, I get it. Sim racing games are often stigmatized as being too boring, too difficult, or... Just too niche for their own good. And while Forza Motorsport doesn't exactly attempt to reinvent the wheel in any regard, it is certainly the most approachable, accessible, and user-friendly sim racing experience that I've ever seen. And I think that deserves to be celebrated. Uh, With fine-tuned vehicle handling, impressive visuals and sound design, beginner-friendly tuning options, a unique car leveling system and persistent driving score-based feedback. I think Forza Motorsport is a very welcoming sim racing experience that understands that there is an inroad to making sim racing games more palatable for larger audiences and it tries to seize that opportunity. Now, I would have liked to have seen this game have a bit more personality and maybe more presentational flair to give more color to the overall experience, but I also appreciate the level of focus this game devotes to the art of racing, which is why I think this is a game that I'll be keeping installed on my Xbox for a very long time as it continues to expand with new content and more quality of life enhancements that make this game even better than how it already launched. So uh, coming in at number eight is Forza Motorsport. All right, moving right along here, coming in at number seven on my top 10 games of 2023 is Lies of P. Um, Look, in in the gaming industry, imitation is the sincerest form of fuckery. You can name any successful game out there, creatively or commercially, and you'll find a dozen creatively bankrupt copycats right behind it, trying to claim a piece of the pie. And this is especially true of Souls-like games, which rarely ever live up to From Software's gold standard, until, of course, Lies of P came along. With a mesmerizing world, uh, deep combat, fine-tuned difficulty, and awesome presentation, Liza P. manages to rival From Software's most iconic Souls-like games, in my opinion, with its sheer quality, polish, and flair. Even more astonishing than that is its eerie rendition of Pinocchio, which recontextualizes the world, lore, characters, and even the story beats in a surprisingly engrossing way, that I never would have expected to like, but I did. So all things considered, I think Liza P will go down as one of the biggest surprises of 2023 for me. And and this might be controversial to some people, but I think it might actually be the best traditional Souls-like game that I've ever played. And I don't mean Elden Ring type of thing. I mean like the more traditional like Demon Souls, Dark Souls, Bloodborne type of style. Um, I think it's the best of of all of them. Honestly, and I know I'll get a lot of pushback about that, but I I genuinely believe this game is a cut above, and um, that's just kind of where I'm at. So, number seven is Lies of P. Now, coming in at number six for me is Starfield. And hey, guess what? Got news for you: (laughs) Starfield isn't perfect. That's right. In case you haven't heard from people on social media, yes, the flawless seamless, and limitless Starfield of our dreams is not what we got in reality. And for some reason, the notion of Starfield having flaws seems to have been deemed completely unacceptable by the internet at large. (laughs) But uh, despite being unfairly criticized, despite being woefully misunderstood, I believe that Starfield is still a fantastic sci-fi RPG experience that advances Bethesda's signature formula quite well, more than well. Um, Whether I was supporting my favorite factions, exploring cities, or discovering new planets with my shipmates in tow, I had a great time with Starfield's scale, its combat, its freedom. And while, yes, I think Starfield's flat narrative and aging engine and dated design conventions certainly obstructed some of my enjoyment of the game, there was still something innately lovable about the game's clumsiness nevertheless so despite all its warts i think starfield is an incredible experience that really showed that bethesda's pedigree of producing well made western rpgs has not in fact fallen by the wayside at all no matter what a bunch of trolls on the internet want to tell you Uh, so shout out to starfield at number six but ladies and gentlemen we are officially in Top five territory now, and coming in at number five is Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals. Now, let's face it, um, (laughs) I think it's safe to say that we're in an age now where most sequels typically fall short of matching the highs of their predecessors, and I think that's why a lot of gamers uh, prefer one-offs over sequels sometimes, so that we don't have to risk falling out of love with our favorite franchises if one bad sequel kind of spoils the bunch, right? And in the case of Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals, there was really no telling whether this game was going to live up to the first Oxenfree, which I think is a cult classic, but thankfully Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals turned out to be nothing short of a narrative driven triumph. Um, Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals has an amazing cast of believable characters that feel human relatable, and fully realized, and those characters are enveloped in a story with heartfelt moments and difficult choices, self-realizations, broken dreams and fears, all while effortlessly weaving a supernatural sci-fi story together with cults and possessions and time jumps and other eerie mysteries that captivated me from beginning to end. Uh, It's incredible atmosphere, relatable conversations, and fulfilling uh, finale really made Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals a memorable and deeply moving experience that I will never forget. So if you haven't had the pleasure of playing either game in this series before, and you do love story-based games, um, these are both must-plays, in my personal opinion. Please try them out. You will not walk away disappointed. Uh, But yes, number five, Oxenfree 2 lost signals now coming in at the number four spot for me is a game that i never would have imagined in a million years that i would have played let alone loved to the point where it would be number four but here we are hogwarts legacy um look capturing the magic whimsy and essence of the wizarding world in a video game it ain't as easy as abracadabra y'all (laughs) especially at a time when it's very controversial creator has divided even the most devout fans of the franchise but despite the very unfortunate circumstances surrounding the game i think this diverse and inclusive team over at avalanche studios i'm sorry avalanche software uh created a near perfect realization of the school we all wish we could have attended whether you're on foot on broom or on a hippogriff Every single nook and cranny of Hogwarts, Hogsmeade, and their surrounding settlements feel alive, vibrant, and really equally as captivating as the books and films. And thankfully, unlike the personal views of its creator, I think representation has never been better for the franchise, with all ethnicities, gender identities, and preferences being accounted for in a tasteful fashion that feels good and not forced um, now, while its main story might not be as magical as the books are, Hogwarts Legacy really thrives from having very fun combat, very rewarding exploration, and very enjoyable side quests, which I think culminates in a wonderfully faithful uh, Wizarding World experience made with love and passion and, most importantly of all, progression in mind for this IP. So... um This was really a a, a huge surprise for me this year to the point where it did something that very few games have ever done, which is get me interested in the source material. So I was able to kind of enjoy this perfect storm of playing this game, which I was loving, reading the books for the first time, watching the films for the first time, kind of all in unison and just completely absorbing myself in the wizarding world for the first time ever. And it was one of the best times that I've ever had as a gamer, to be completely honest with you, to the point where I would literally go to bed and I'd have dreams of being in Hogwarts. And they were the most enjoyable dreams I've had in ages. So it, was, it was just one of those times where it really seeped into um, what I valued out of my entertainment and um, what I found to be most enjoyable in the form of multimedia. So Hogwarts Legacy really made waves for me in a pretty big way this year. So congratulations to that team over at Avalanche Software. Now, we are finally here in the top three. This is where it normally gets real, but uh, if you know me fairly well, you might be able to guess what games these are going to be, but let's talk about them, right? Coming in at number three is Resident Evil 4. Although remakes are still very much frowned upon in a very unfair way for receiving Game of the Year honors or nominations, I think that some remakes are just too good to be denied. And that's Resident Evil 4. That's what this is. Remaking Resident Evil 4, let me give you an example. (laughs) Remaking Resident Evil 4 is like asking a professional painter to faithfully recreate the Mona Lisa while also modernizing her. Now, if you're that painter, you're asking yourself, well, hmm, how faithful is too faithful? How modern is too modern? And how do you even go about finding the right balance between the two and what even constitutes balance to begin with, right? Right. So, talk about impossible odds, and in many ways, I guess that's what makes Resident Evil 4 Remake the most impossibly good remake I think we've ever seen. Capcom literally took Shinji Mikami's 2005 masterpiece and figured out exactly how to be faithful, modern, and better than the original, with stunning visuals and refined combat, masterful pacing white-knuckle battles, and a tastefully retooled story. Not only do I think this remake of RE4 is an absolute, undeniable, undisputed survival horror classic, but I think it also makes a compelling case as perhaps the single greatest remake of all time. So congratulations to Capcom. What an outstanding job in making this remake uh, the best in class. And I hope that the remakes to come for Resident Evil are able to be even better somehow, miraculously, than what this was. So congratulations to RE4 for being number three. Now, it is time to reveal my second favorite game of 2023 and I could not be more excited to sing this game's praises because my number two game of 2023 is Alan Wake 2. I mean, look, whether it's Max Payne, or Quantum Break, or Control, or even Alan Wake itself, a few studios, in my opinion, can truly match the creativity, the innovation, and the narrative finesse of Remedy Entertainment. For over 25 years, their painstaking craftsmanship, their attention to detail, their bold ideas, have all pushed this medium forward beyond... Our wildest imagination, and in many ways, I think that's what makes *Alan Wake 2* the culmination of everything I think Remedy Entertainment truly stands for. Um, Whether I was exploring a strange rural town, a deserted amusement park, and an eerie talk show set, or just the deepest depths of the dark place, *Alan Wake 2* is an artistic tour de force with immersive atmosphere engaging storytelling brilliant fmv integration stellar music mind-bending moments and that signature remedy weirdness that we all know and love um alan way 2's dual campaign struck a brilliant balance between keeping me in control and keeping me on my toes at the same time And each campaign's pacing and structure also provided a welcome sense of contrast that gave each incredible journey a unique lane of their own, all while the game's narrative intertwines the supernatural unknown with the human element in ways that very few games have ever attempted, let alone achieved. I mean, Saga Anderson's tale of family, of parenthood, loss and resiliency was both heartbreaking and inspiring at the same time as she's pushing through the, uh, a parent's greatest fear um, and her own self-doubts to try to save the people she loves and try to unravel this impossible mystery that has so many people hanging in the balance. Meanwhile, you have Alan and his grueling, 13-year battle to escape the dark place, reaching stunning heights that left me absolutely clamoring for more. So, though not without its technical shortcomings, um, I think that Alan Wake 2 is definitively a a one-of-a-kind experience that single-handedly epitomizes the notion that video games are, in fact, a form of art. So congratulations to Alan Wake 2 and Remedy Entertainment. Amazing job. Amazing job. But that leaves us with one final game to discuss on my side of things today, and that is my personal favorite game of 2023. So without further ado, coming in at number one as my favorite game of the year, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. As, as someone who doesn't quite share the same level of love or adoration for Breath of the Wild as the masses, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom encompasses every single thing I ever wanted its predecessor to be. Every moment that I spent exploring the land, the sky, the depths, and the shrines all felt rich meaningful, and meticulously crafted to welcome all of my wildest little whims, whether I was creating a weird makeshift vehicle, or uniquely solving an open-ended puzzle, or fusing odd weapons together, or even ascending to these, like, once thought to be impossible to reach places, Tears of the Kingdom is a pure, pure masterclass of open-world sandbox design, with incredible tools, abilities, and player freedom that brings almost every idea to life in ways that always feel warm and accepting of what I wanted to do. The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom also features a remarkably engaging story that leans into Hyrule's history, its horrors, and its heroes in ways that I really didn't expect all while it masterfully preserves the special mystique of this franchise and also its colorful charm that I think the series is also known for. And it's really that. It's really that delicate balance that it strikes between innovation and tradition, between the mystique and the charm, between the open-endedness and the pinpoint precision That makes The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom beyond special, beyond rare, beyond great, beyond fun. This game was truly engineered to be timeless in almost every sense of the word. And I think it manages to achieve that. Now, some may argue that Tears of the Kingdom is too similar to Breath of the Wild to earn its praises. But I think that sense of timelessness that I just talked about is really the ultimate counterpoint to that kind of claim. Because let's, let's approach this from a hypothetical, right? Let's say that Breath of the Wild was timeless. Well, if that's the case, then Tears of the Kingdom couldn't have superseded it. Tears of the Kingdom couldn't have rendered it essentially obsolete. But I believe it did. And I think that clearly shows that while both Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom do share a foundation, I think they completely, completely diverge in execution. Because every single thing that Breath of the Wild did great, I think Tears of the Kingdom does better, right? And just because you do something first doesn't mean you do something better. That's why I think Tears of the Kingdom deserves more respect than it's receiving um, because of the similarities. So really to me, I think that's why no matter what type of critical lens that you're using to look at tears of the kingdom, I think it perseveres. I think it shines, it flourishes. And that's why this was ultimately the best, most moving and most prolific video game I played in 2023. And Actually, one of the greatest games I've ever played, period. So, congratulations to Nintendo and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom for being my number one game of 2023. Now, I've gone through all the games in detail, but I'm going to do a quick summary. And I'm going to start with my honorable mentions. My honorable mentions were Coffee Talk Episode 2, Hibiscus and Butterfly, Bomb Rush Cyberfunk, Hi-Fi Rush... Dead Space and Marvel Spider Man 2. And then for my top 10 games of 2023, at number 10 was Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name. At number 9 was Baldur's Gate 3. At number 8 was Forza Motorsport. At number 7 was Lies of P. At number 6 was Starfield. At number 5 was Oxenfree 2, Lost Signals. At number 4, Hogwarts Legacy at number 3 Resident Evil 4 at number 2 Alan Wake 2 and of course at number 1 The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom um, now with that being said it's time for me to go ahead and sign off and kick this over to Pablo as he's going to reveal his personal top 10 games of 2023 along with his honorable mentions
1: so on we go greetings to all I am the technical mess of the show, Pablo. Some call it ADHD. I like to call it passion. And every year, um, I, have, I tend to run into problems with games where I don't do this thing called finish them. But this year was different. This year, I actually focused up, uh, you know, limited the amount of games I played to a certain extent. Uh, and really got into the minutiae of a lot of the games that are going to be mentioned here today on my top 10 and my honorable mentions. I know 2023 was a, a year many claim to be amongst the best you know, a lot of high hopes. I had games on my most anticipated list, such as Final Fantasy sixteen and, and uh, Spider-Man 2. These games uh, ended up being a little disappointing, with some people still pretending that Final Fantasy sixteen was actually a good game. Hopefully, uh, we can uh, get that rectified here in the years to come, and people will start to see the truth about that garbage game. Now... I, already, I'm starting a little spicy, a little hot, and and maybe a little that is a put on. Maybe I'm I'm I'm. No, it's not. Final Fantasy 16 is terrible. But without further ado, guys, let's get into the top ten games of the year. But before we do that, let's go ahead and have some honorable mentions. My number five honorable mention of 2023. It's Forza Motorsport. Now, Forza Motorsport, it's a racing sim game, sure, we all know that, and I don't know anything about cars, not really, you know, I I know that a Toyota uh, has a car called a Ford, and a Ford has a really cool car uh, called a Lamborghini, so obviously, those things are obvious, and I know that, but uh, (laughs) the truth is, uh, sim games, are racing sim games, to be exact, aren't really my thing. And so anytime a game is able to pull me in and really uh, carry me along the way and it get me to play 30 to 40 hours of it, those are things that have to be celebrated in Forza Motorsport is one of those games that definitely got me into it. L- like you've got like I've already mentioned, I don't know shit about cars, but still, you know, going through each race type and each car type and being able to, to learn because of the systems that are implemented that really show you how to take a turn and, and how this track is, is, is this track is hard to, to, to control when you're going at a certain speed. And so you have all these things that are that people love about sim games. Forza Motorsport does a really 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 dope ass job in kind of leading you holding you by the hand and never leaving you behind and that's why forza motorsport is my number five honorable mention of the year i look forward to to future uh games by turn 10 uh and i hope that we get more uh, forza horizon in the future as well those games are always fun Moving on guys, to my number 4 honorable mention, and that is Super Mario Bros. Wonder. This game had all the bakings of a top 10 game, however, certain aspects of it just felt a little unfocused, and ultimately really just felt like an experience that wanted it to be a lot of things, except the thing that I wanted it to be, which is a traditional 2D Mario game. If, if you know what that is, we're talking about platform-centric games that even have the timer up top. So, you know, you are running against the time, the clock, right? Uh, this game took away that and kind of borrowed a little bit DNA from the 3D Mario games where it really based the experience on exploration. The problem is, you know, the 2D scape going left to right, exploration is so limited. You have verticality, sure, but at the end of the day, it's not really something that uh, lends itself to to very interesting exploration. And so, I felt that going level to level, it just didn't feel that interesting to to explore. Sure, the wonder plant uh, stuff was phenomenal and really changed the way you play the game, but again, we're talking about the unfocusedness of, of what Mario Wonder is. It changes how you play the game to the point where it doesn't feel like a platformer anymore. It just feels like a really interesting, unique, experience you're having within that level where at times it takes away the challenge of that level so unfortunately for me it isn't the game that I wanted when it's all said and done it has a lot of things that I feel uh are good ideas but didn't really uh work out for me but it's still fun enough. It's still good enough. It, the, the animations of, of Mario and, and, and him becoming that elephant, and, and even some of the wonder seeds, uh, wonder plant stuff that maybe I didn't love, uh, some of that stuff really hit home. So th- there's a lot of good with the bad. It's just ultimately, it's not good enough to make my top 10. My number three honorable mention is Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Now, I am a fan of Star Wars. Now, I'm not the biggest fan. I'm I'm not out here uh, debating people on the intricacies of intergalactic Politics as afforded to us by George Lucas in the first and second and third episode of Star Wars, but I am a fan specifically of the original trilogy, and I think that when it comes to Star Wars games, video games, there are a lot of hit and misses. Uh, of course, you got your KOTORs, which are phenomenal RPGs, uh, but more recently, you have your Jedi uh, Survivor, which this one, uh, and you had your Fallen Order from a couple of years ago. This game starts off really really good I think that the actor who plays Cal Kestis really came onto his own and gave a a a nuanced performance something that felt real and something that he I felt that he felt comfortable in that role finally and the cast of characters surrounding him really uh amplified the narrative of the game and I think that a lot of uh the game itself has really amazing moments uh I, I like a lot of the bounty hunter missions I like some of the action set pieces one in particular kind of blew me away uh and and everything that they were doing with the story they weren't chasing that that cameo thing at first anyway like they weren't searching for the oh there's that one star wars character everybody knows there's the yodas there's the luke skywalkers and so throughout the game you felt like okay they're definitely carving out their own kind of story within the star wars world until that kind of goes away and they do lean on some of the old characters and old stories that we uh that we all heard and, and and seen many 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 times uh, and that's when the game starts to f- kind of fall apart for me. Um, I do like the combat. I think the combat of the game is very good. Uh, I-, I think with the dismemberment that they uh, added finally, I think that gives a, a visual flair to the combat and aggressiveness to the combat that really was missing from fallen order uh, from fallen order. Um, but man, I-, 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 I enjoyed this game quite a bit. It, it was on my top 10 list for a long time, but ultimately, there's just so many games out there that do what what Survivor does so much better. Better combat in other games, definitely better stories uh, th- and throughout the year as, as the year went on. So for me, I think Jedi Survivor is a very, very good game that doesn't really quite hit uh what it's supposed to at all times you know it does f- has a little a bit of issues with this with performance which is well documented it also has some problems with like level design i think some level design they try to do dark soulsy interconnected uh, levels and it just didn't really work that well a lot of zip lines to kind of connect these things that felt, these levels that felt like they were made separately and then forcefully put together to make it seem like a cohesive area. Um, there are some kind of environmental puzzles, which I'm not a huge fan of, but I thought they were handled really, really well. Uh, but ultimately, like I said, it just it just didn't quite make my top 10. Uh, and that's a little unfortunate because I was so high on the game. Uh, but hey, it still made my honorable mentions my number two honorable mention of the year is none other than venba venba is a game that spoke to me on many many levels it's a game about uh immigrants coming into unknown country having a child and trying to imbue that child with the with their culture uh you know and and having him be in canada it's the setting of the game and kind of having him embrace that that world but also never forgetting where he where he comes from and the way they do that here in venba is through food a lot of puzzles that involve cooking food kind of are interesting in terms of like what it means ultimately the actual cooking uh, wasn't like all that great. But the story really, really, really hit home. I'm also someone of Hispanic descent, uh, lived in a, uh, lived in a place where for at least where the, when I first got, there was predominantly white people. And so I kind of felt a little out of place, and my parents were also trying to make make sure that culturally I was still in touch with, with my with my roots. And, you know, I rejected that a little bit as a kid. I just, I didn't want to be different, you know? And I definitely kind of see that point of view from the child, Venba's child. Uh, ultimately for me, though, the reason it didn't make my top 10 is I did feel emotionally. It was a little bit... Um, Manipulative, like you saw things coming from far away, and they really played with your emotions in that way. And that's okay. I think I think that that's a way of creating a narrative. Uh, but it's just certain things towards the end that I felt that the game didn't really earn some story moments. The game is written so well until the end, where some revelations that the that the kid has that really just don't make a lot of sense and come out of nowhere. And the payoff at the end of it all just wasn't as like interesting or as emotionally impactful as the game. I, I admittedly, I, I shed some thug-ass tears throughout this game, but it wasn't at the end. At the end, I was kind of like rolling my eyes a little bit, so it didn't quite hit home all the way through, but it was still an experience that I recommend to everybody, you know, especially if if you can relate to 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 Venba's story and and her child's story and that whole family. If you can relate to that, I think you'll get a lot out of this. But if you even if you're not, even if that's not something you can relate to, I think you can understand where they're coming from and and kind of appreciate this game for uh what it is. right We're gonna we're now at my number one honorable mention. This game could have easily Been in my top 10, but I kind of, at the last minute, made a change here. Uh, And that number one honorable mention is Like a Dragon, The Man Who Erased His Name. Uh, One of the longest titles of the year. Uh, But (laughs) it's, it's a game that, it's rare because I've been playing the Yakuza series for quite some time. And to have an emotional payoff like I had with The Man Who Erased His Name was pretty pretty impressive i i felt everything he felt because i experienced everything I experienced throughout all these games seeing one man sacrifice sacrificing himself to the point where he quite literally gave his life so the kids at morning glory the 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 foster home that he uh, took over and is running so they can have a better future so nobody would be going after them and they would feel safe seeing that come into fruition and seeing those kids growing up and and kind of give uh the Hours to, to Kiryu because of what he did was an emotionally impactful moment however I think that this game really just relies on that ending uh, a lot of what the game did with its narrative it's still very good you know the writers over there at, at, at like a dragon studios they really know what they're doing when they're when they're uh, making these games in terms of a narrative unfortunately this game was supposed to be a DLC and there is a lot of, of things that I felt that the game could have benefited from a little bit more running time in terms of its story and developing that story there is some filler stuff in the middle some stuff that you would see in a Yakuza game that would not be necessary or or uh, it would be a requirement to uh, to push the main uh, story along unfortunately here in order to kind of elongate the game make it a little bigger um, I, I think that they've done they did some padding that really wasn't fun for me I, I honestly that in the middle part of the game was quite the slog, and I just couldn't really put this in my top 10, considering how I was a little disappointed by their narrative, and very uh, disappointed by the middle part of the game. Now, towards the end of that game, it really, really, really hit these emotional strides, and I some of the boss fights were really dope, some of the story moments, the interconnectivity between Like a Dragon from a couple of years ago, Yakuza 6, and then leading up to Infinite uh well, sorry. Got I got a little something stuck in my throat there, baby. Anyway, uh <laughs> I'm not re recording this. This stays in. This stays in. Uh the interconnectivity there with, with what's coming with infinite uh wealth at just very soon in a couple of weeks i thought that was a really cool uh kind of in-between story filling in all those gaps in very interesting and amazing ways the combat here is, is great it's still that yakuza combat that we all love it's not the turn-based stuff it's the you know the brawler stuff which i think it, it, it's good to, that they keep it alive they're definitely keeping it alive with judgment and they're keeping it uh here with with, with uh kidu and his story i thought that worked really well it just it just didn't, it wasn't that deep in terms of its combat, I, they had that, that that kind of secret agent uh, gadgets where you can whip people around with something that came out of your watch, a whip that came out of your watch, they'd never explain it, which is weird, but it is what it is, and other gadgets that you gotta get along the way, so it, it, it makes for interesting combat scenarios, just ultimately, it, it wasn't as in-depth as I would like it to be, so for me, Uh, Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who raised his name, uh, just barely missed my top 10 of the year. Now we're moving in to our top 10 games of the year, or I should say my top 10 games of the year. Uh, And let's start off with number 10. I think a lot of people are going to be like, really? But I have to be true to myself. And it would be disingenuous if I didn't have this in my top 10 games of the year because of how much I ended up loving it. And I'm talking about Assassin's Creed Mirage. Assassin's Creed in its current form is a little bit unrecognizable. Rumors are that the game is moving to a uh, game as service, which you would never think from 2007's Assassin's Creed that this game would eventually become a Destiny-like, which is preposterous, it's stupid, it's idiotic, but nonetheless... It's almost like they knew because they released Assassin's Creed Mirage, which is a game they promised would go back to basics. And when I talk about basics, I'm talking about Assassin's Creed 1, uh, the Ezio Trilogy. Those are the games that I'm kind of referencing here. And this game delivers on that front. The refocus on stealth. Uh, the, the the narrative has been shrinking, shrunk to, to kind of uh, fit the world in which it's inhabiting. Uh, the world starts off a little drab. And you think, oh, this is not interesting as as, as ancient Rome or, or even uh, with origins with Egypt. But I think it does end up being really interesting. A lot of the story elements within that... Um, really work really well uh, showing Baghdad at that time and and kind of all the different kind of things that are happening within that city are super interesting um I do like that the story itself it is it, it, it's, it's about a man Basim who's you know coming into it being an assassin for the first time and they go back to showing the training and they're showing kind of like you coming up through the ranks and I like that I, I do like uh that that smaller scale story. Um, I think that the ending of the game is really interesting. They don't shy away from the future stuff. Uh, I won't spoil what the ending is, but I think the way that they implemented it here was super interesting. I ended up loving the characters. And honestly, it's all about that gameplay. I, I just, the, the 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 parkour was simple, intuitive. I liked it. There were some moments where it got stuck on some corners. You know, the, the Assassin's Creed jank when it came to parkouring is still all there. But I really liked this game. I just, it really just started to kind of click with me towards like a couple of of hours in. I'm not not even going to say in the middle because it was actually earlier than that. And it really just clicked and and it just kind of brought me back to those times when I was playing Brotherhood or Assassin's Creed 2 and I was really enjoying my time with that game and that brought me back. And, And Assassin's Creed, the original games, were some of my favorite games that I looked forward to playing in the fall Uh, you know it was always like call of duty it was always assassin's creed these fall games that came out and really kind of um and i was engaged and and really enjoying my time with it and assassin's creed mirage took me back to that and i loved it i hope that this isn't a one-off i hope that they do more of these Um, even if they are going to do those 200 300 plus hour games where you do side missions for what seems to be no reason other than to gain xp and having two or three different endings hidden after you do a a number of, 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 of unnecessary things and, and all that bullshit that those games have. Assassin's Creed Mirage completely strips the, the game of that and just gives you the, 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 the that core experience that I've been kind of dying for and I'm glad that we got with Assassin's Creed Mirage. All right, you little video game sluts. I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I said that. Number nine. The magical shadow drop of 2023. They said Xbox has no games. That's because they're all hidden away in the shadows. Ready to drop out of, of Daddy Phil's sack. And I, and I mean that like Santa Claus. Not his nutsack. That's disgusting. You guys are disgusting. Uh, and I'm talking about none other than Tango Gameworks. Charming and beautiful and colorful, Hi-Fi Rush. Hi-Fi Rush is a beat-em-up game that has a musical aspect to it. You can play the game as a regular third-person action beat-em-up, but if you play uh, and, and through the with the rhythm of the music you're going to get an experience like no other. I think a lot of games like Metal Hell Slinger and and there are other games that, you know, really rely heavy on music and and, and tempo and rhythm and bass. I I think all that... Those games work well, but to implement it in this way and then be as good as it is, I think it's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I, I love the story. It has no reason to be as good as it was. I love the characters. Chai is a very, very dope-ass character that could have gone a very, uh, wrong way, you know, a lot of times when, when, when d- devs try to create a brash, funny character, they end up making him unlikable, and Chai is far from that, he is one of the most likable characters of the year, and then you mix that with the cast of, of other, um, deliciously named, uh, characters, you really get a group of people that are very interesting and very funny, love their interactions, and, and this game really works really well, it's, it's beautiful to look at, it's It's 3D, but there's some moments that kind of go into this 2D animation, and that transition between 3D to 2D is some of the most impressive technical feat that I've seen this year because it is so smooth in the way it's it kind of transitions. I loved every time I did it. I I I I like the I like the action. I like the the combat felt really really good. Um, kind of doing these really dope combos with with uh your partners and characters that look super like crazy. Like all of a sudden everything stops and all. sudden this, this huge gun comes out and at the rhythm of the song you're, you're shooting you're shooting up these bad guys it just there's so many moments in this game that really work work well level design can be left a little bit to be desired but i think ultimately in terms of a whole package hi-fi rush is an interesting unique game that i've never seen anything like it and i and i, I can't wait to see more i hope that tango gameworks doesn't forget this franchise i think it did really well people really talked about it i mean this came out early early in the year if not mistaking the beginning of the year and it's still a game that people talk about even now i I enjoyed my time with it i loved it and i hope we see way more of it and i and i hope other people are inspired by this and you know take some chances make some really cool games uh it doesn't matter if you're known for a specific kind of genre you know explore your horizons that's what they did and, and they really made something truly special here that i really really enjoyed all right moving on to my number eight game of the year my eight game of the year was the game that i ate jesus the eighth game on my (laughs) on my list here i told you guys i was a technical mess uh we've been telling you that for two years so this is something you have to expect number eight hogwarts legacy Avalanche Software did something truly special here. It kind of stayed true to the name of the game with the Hogwarts Legacy as they tried to carve out a legacy, their own legacy, in the Harry Potter IP. Something outside of the vision of the very idiotic and, and stupid J.K. Rowling. Uh, you know, I think Hogwarts Legacy, unfortunately, it didn't get a lot of love. And I think that's because of all the controversy that was attached to it and not of its own making but rather because this game takes place in a world created by the aforementioned J.K. Rowling right and all the shit she said and all her anti-trans stuff all that bullshit and then when you look back at the at the movies and the books there are some some problems right with 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 the way diversity is not really a thing that she focuses on you know it, there's a there's a character in the movies and in the book called Cho Chang like and she's like the only asian character there's barely no black Characters I've never seen a Spanish character in Harry Potter. I guess they don't accept Puerto Ricans in Hogwarts. Uh, but listen, the, uh, Avalanche Software really, really uh, did something uh, to kind of uh, spite what J.K. Rowling is kind of known for, right? There's a lot of diversity, a lot of inclusivity, and none of it in no way, shape, or form felt forced or like we have to do this because people are going to come. No, no, no. It felt really, really good. It felt like they were true to themselves. They love the. They love the world because the world is very interesting and they still decided to make this game and you can see the love was poured onto this. But as a game itself, this game is fucking rad. It's really dope. I It's one of the better RPGs of the year for sure. You know, a lot of licensed games, uh, they're not good they sometimes just take a very known well, a well-known well license and make something to kind of print money, and that's not what happened here. You know, you got the visual aspect of the game. It looks absolutely phenomenal. You know, the traversal of the game is great. You can, you can be on a broom and kind of fly all over the, that that world and see Hogsmeade, see the Forbidden Forest. You can touch down, get on the, the ground there, and walk to Hogsmeade, walk to the Forbidden Forest. But I think the, the masterpiece of this game is the actual school of Hogsby. we've we've seen described in books we've seen it visually in film and how intricate that place is and how How it's not been well done in other games. Like, I remember some of the games kind of, like, had a little bit aspects that were described in the book and described and seen in the film, but never in a full experience. But this game, Hogwarts, is is completely designed for you to explore, and it is just one of the most impressive things that I've seen this year, bar none. I mean, you can spend hours in in Hogwarts and just find little things and little rooms and, and little uh contextual stories that are being told things that are that you can do little side missions that you could do within the walls of hogwarts all that is phenomenal you can attend classes and and do specific things that you've also read and seen it's just they've really the, the attention to detail detail here is absolutely incredible it's phenomenal and then the narrative the narrative might not be great, it might not be like uh, the thing that you talk about when when you're done playing this game, but it's still very good, it's especially that ending. I love that ending, and then the cast of characters that they have the the the, the other students they all have personality, they all have their own motivations it's it, it's it really feels like you're interacting with real people, you really feel like you're in school the hogwarts you they really managed to capture that in ways that you, I would have never ever imagined uh i hogwarts legacy it's just a shame that really the thing that people want to talk about when they talk about the game is you know the controversy surrounding it and that's it's not fair to that 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 game at all that game is absolutely phenomenal and should be experienced by fans and un, and people who aren't fans i i know you heard marco talk about it marco was not a fan of the series at all he just wasn't that's not his thing and this game was his gateway to get into the harry potter ip so that's phenomenal i mean the, when when have you heard of a video game being the thing that gets people into star wars or or huge ip like that it's very rare that happens and that's because this game hogwarts legacy really 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 is and i hate this term but it's true it's a love letter to the harry potter ip but it's done in their own way and i love it for that and i can't wait to see uh see more we're surely we're gonna see more it's uh, what the second best-selling game of the year (laughs) Uh, The whole year, which is great. So, I hope we get to see more, and I hope people, you know, really kind of uh, give it a chance, honestly. All right, number seven Oxen Free 2 Lost Signals. narrative is the main drive uh, uh d- main driving force for me in terms of games that's what i gravitate to if you have a great narrative i can forgive a lot of things that you may not do well in terms of gameplay in terms of uh, visual fidelity but oxen t- oxen freak 2 lost signals is great in, in in a lot of those aspects it might not be the best gameplay but i i do think that what they do with what they have is very very good uh i i think visually it's a, it's a beautiful game their art style is unique to them and it really works really really well you might not you might not have like that visual fidelity for facial uh, animations that or expression but all that is done through conversation. You feel for these characters. You have Riley, your main character, and, and she's going through going through a lot. She's a, a person in her 30s trying to kind of figure out the, wor- the world. She's dealing with the realities of that world. And then she has her, her friend or, or someone she's kind of put to when, or put with when she, when she goes to work, Jacob, who's someone who's content in life, who'd rather kind of ignore the realities of the world. And together, they encounter encounter these supernatural beings who force them to come to terms with life. And really, the thing about this game, and the thing about the first Octafree game that they nail is conversations. You know, in games that are narrative-based, obviously, there's a lot of times where people are talking, right? That's kind of how they give you the exposition, give you, build the story, but the conversations that you have in the game are natural. They feel like real people talking to each other. You can't do that unless you established a well-rounded character and everybody in this game is a well-rounded character, even if some of them are a little bit on the supernatural and, you know, there's themes sort of possession, things that happen that, you know, are, are, are really out of this world, but it still feels real because these characters feel so real, you know? And then, they tackle these these incredible themes of love, loss of 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 happiness versus content, failures and successes of parenthood, fear of failure, and finding your purpose in life be that uh, be that something grandiose or something small, but you feel happy in, in in your station in life and I think that this game really does that. In a way that not a lot of games do, and it's another game on my list that a lot of people just kind of forgot. It, it came and went. It has an absurdly low uh, meta open critic score at 78, and I know that's not bad, but this game is so well written, it's so phenomenal that I, I feel like a lot of people just didn't give it the chance that they wanted. And I, I think a lot of people reviewed it just were expecting something else, and I I, I I I'm still scratching my head over this one. Usually, I don't like to kind of go against reviews and be like oh they're, they're, they're biased or whatever but I just really feel like a lot of people who read this game just didn't get it and that's kind of sad honestly because this game is phenomenal and I love the story I love the characters and I hope that we get more Oxenfree to be honest with you all right moving in inching closer to top five but before we get there we're at number six Resident Evil 4 remake I have a remake on my list get over it I don't have nostalgia for Resident Evil. I don't. You know, I, I couldn't tell you uh, why the nuances of tank controls added to the overall experience uh, of Resident Evil. I couldn't tell you that the first time I saw a zombie dog pop through a window really you know uh, really got me i couldn't tell you about the the the, the dreadfulness of, of going through a, a a level and hoping to find a typewriter to save i couldn't i couldn't really tell you about that in terms of the original resident evil games but i can tell you about the new remakes resident evil 2 3 and now 4 i i love this game i i think that whenever you can make a game that feels like the old game, but it isn't. It's new in a lot of ways—not just visuals, but how they tell the story, how the narrative is given out through through um, through conversation, how that's been revamped and done so well. They really did. Something super impressive here, but you, you, we can't disc- we can't discredit here or 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 ignore how beautiful this game is. The graphical output, for my money, is the best of the year. It has smooth and responsive gameplay. It has incredible locations, great character design great great enemy design boss design uh some of the boss fights were absolutely amazing did not see that coming you know all the little visual cues with the with the sound of a chainsaw starting up in the background you're like oh i'm fucked or even the the, the spaniard screaming Aquí está. Cogelo, cabrón. all that Shit that might sound to, to non Spanish speakers gibberish, but that shit is kind of scary when you when you're entering a, a level and all of a sudden you don't see anybody, but you see these you hear these grunts and you hear these people saying these things and you're like oh god I'm in uh, I'm in for a world of hurt and it, it really just it, it, the ambiance of this game is outstanding. I think if anyone had a doubt of the gold standard for survival horror, they don't need to look any further. Resident Evil Four Remake is that gold standard. Um, you know, and, and funny enough, you know this. this This is a game, Resident Evil 4 is a game that a lot of people said is among the best games of all time. And so nobody, not nobody, but a lot of people didn't want it to get touched right didn't really want it to get remade because a fear of messing it up and when you can really get those hardcore fans to really praise your game and get fans like me who don't have that nostalgia for the old games to also praise the game equally as so that's a huge accomplishment you know that that marco had a beautiful analogy about getting an artist and telling him to recreate the Mona Lisa but modernize it. That's, you know, that's crazy because th- there's no way anybody could do that, right? But they did it here. They did it with Resident Evil 4 Remake. Other remakes, for example, Final Fantasy, they knew that they possibly couldn't do that again, right? They knew they couldn't recreate that experience in res- in, in, in Final Fantasy 7. So what they they went a different way. They kind of did a revision of Final Fantasy 7, but not uh, not Resident Evil 4 Remake. They said, you know what? We we like the game we have. But we're gonna make it better. We're gonna modernize it, and we're and we're gonna show the people that we know what they're doing. And let me tell you, they know what the fuck they're doing, cause they've been killing it with these remakes. And Resident Evil Four has is no exception here. I still like Resident Evil Two just slightly more, uh, maybe because that's the game that made me fall in love with Resident Evil. But Resident Evil Four is absolutely it's it's insane and if you're one of those people who don't want to put a remake on your top 10 list or or give it any praise because it's a game that existed before either you haven't played the game or you're just being stubborn because they do so much here to kind of uh to make this necessary to make this a necessary remake and so it would you know it almost made my top five but there are five of the games that i just loved a little bit more you know what let's get into those right now Let's go into my top five games of 2023. These are the games that I absolutely loved and adored, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with them, and they're perfect, and if you have anything to say, and I'm kidding, no game is perfect, right? But let's get into the top five. Number five, Lies of P. Forever and ever, there were From Software Souls-like, and then there was everybody else about five, six rungs down. That is not the case anymore. Lies of P is is as good as a from software souls like that's right as good it might not be better than some of the games but it is in contention with some other games let me tell you and i think a lot of people uh are are are, in terms of criticisms like it's it's almost it's not almost as good you guys are lying to yourself this game is absolutely amazing and it is as good as from software games it takes inspiration sure from bloodborne and its combat is closer to sekiro it doesn't shy away from its inspiration it wears them on its sleeve but it does new things with it It manages to add to that formula to make it uniquely their own the addition of the weapon and handle combinations i think it's an ingenious idea i think they not only give you the ability to create your character and your build but also give you the ability to do more when it comes to your weapon you can you can use that weapon to to kind of add to the character to that build or even help you kind of fill in the gaps with some deficiencies you may have in terms of maybe you don't have enough of of elemental um of uh, elemental power going, you know, electricity or fire, and you can actually add that to that weapon to make you uh, 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 just a a killing machine. And you need it because this game is very, very hard. I think it's one of the harder Souls-like games out there for sure. And and, and I I love it. I, I think when you, when you look at things like the character build, and then the addition to the poorly fucking named P-Organ, we're not talking about, uh, Pinocchio's penis here, though, we might as well, no, we're not gonna talk about that, uh, what, what girls, I forgot what girls when, when, when he lies, is it his nose, or his, anyway, um, the P-Organ and Quartz system, it allows you to concentrate on things outside of your spe- uh, specific build type, right? Uh, and, and these things are it, it, they're great because they, they're also what you use to kind of add more health uh, options or more recharge options. All these things that you see on the top left hand of the corner, all those things can be uh, upgraded through the P-Organ. Uh, it's a very scarce system. The Quartz is very hard to find, but once you do, you're able to upgrade your character and make him an even a, a, a bigger badass, and I and I love that about about Eliza P. But the other thing that they add, the other thing that I think that uh, FromSoftware can learn from is that you don't have to be so uh, so kind of like sh- obtuse or obscure, or obfuscate the narrative. You can tell a story with a very concentrated narrative. And still be interesting, still be mysterious. There's a lot of things in, in Lies of P that you don't quite understand, but the overall story is very, very uh, easy to, to, to kind of follow. And that's games like Elden Ring and, and Dark Souls 3 that give you very small narrative bits here and there. Everything is told through contextual story, everything is told through things that you find in the world. And again, Lies of P does have that. It, but it, it has that that concentrated narrative, and, and it's built in a world where you wouldn't expect it would work. In that Pinocchio, I am I am very vocal have, have been very vocal on this show about my doubts about Liza P working because of that concept. Pinocchio, like what the fuck, Disney's Pinocchio? But no, it's it, Pinocchio. The 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 novel or the old the old novel is very dark, and they lean into that. They lean into that in ways that I would have never imagined, and I can't can't wait for more because they tease some really interesting things and I think that this this studio is in their bag and they're doing some really dope shit here and I can't wait for more of P whether that be the DLC or a full-on sequel we'll see number four oh number four you guys are gonna love this Starfield guess what Starfield is a good game um I think the thing that that people really love to focus on a Starfield or love to hate on it is because of some of its deficiencies. Some of the things that, uh, like the travel system, it really leans heavy on fast travel. And, but really the big thing is the fact that a lot of game, uh, fans or Bethesda fans really, uh, put a lot of stock into Starfield and started kind of dubbing it the game of the generation. And uh, that's a mistake by them. Obviously, you know, whenever you kind of put those expectations out there, they are going to either not uh, not achieve those, or 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 at the very least, uh, people will, will will deny it, even if they do achieve the, those great heights. However, Bethesda set out to do a Bethesda RPG. That's pretty much all they they wanted to do, and they did that. But their setting, their backdrop, isn't Tamriel or 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 the capital wasteland or even the commonwealth it's the fucking universe and perhaps that does give it a a lack of focus and can be detrimental to the overall story but i i also think it's a strength exploring planets may may amount to nothing right you may land up on a planet that has nothing but the trade-off is is the possibility of finding something hidden hidden Something absolutely unique, like a planet filled with American historical figure clones, a hidden base where you can literally become fucking space Batman. All right. Does that interest anybody? Space Batman. I know people love Batman. That that that's amazing. And and, and not to spoil it, but when you take the mantle uh, of the Mantis here, uh, you get reactions from the world. If you run into a pirate, they will they will run away. They like, oh my God, it's the Mantis. Those little attention to details really make Starfield stand out for me. Uh, you're also gonna run into things like a sentient AI begging you to let it live, or or, or, or just so many things that you can find randomly throughout the world that really make Starfield feel like a a living and breathing universe. Uh, You know, I think... One of the things that 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 Bethesda really focus on are the faction missions. Faction missions are are things that we've all known from Bethesda games. That are you know you got Thieves guild in in Elder Scrolls. You got the the Brotherhood of Steel and Fallout and so many others. But here you you can really uh, through factions you can do so much. It's some of the most in-depth, hours and hours and hours of content within these faction missions. You can uncover an alien life form called the Terramorph that is threatening the humanity. You know, you can become a space pirate, become a space cop, become a corporate hitman. These are all optional things, and they each they each are very intricate unfortunately i will say i was a little disappointed that they don't interact too much like even you can be a, a pirate and a space cop you know you can become a corporate hitman and also be part of the uh, of the of an alliance of the global alliance where basically you are you know uh you're, you're investigating certain things throughout the world and, and 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 so those interconnectivities don't really work out and that might be at odds sometimes with each other but Overall, I think Starfield is is an, an an amazing experience. It offers up something that a lot of Bethesda RPGs don't offer, which is a cinematic and focused main quest storyline. Something that uh, Bethesda has actually struggled with in the past. You know, a lot of the things with, with Fallout 3 and, and Fallout 4 is that the main quest kind of... It fizzles out and, and, and kind of ends abruptly and, and there's a lot of build up and it leads to a lot of nothing but not in Starfield Starfield really is 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 trying to give you a very narrative driven cinematic single player quest line and I love it you know it kind of delves into intergalact- intergalactical and pseudo philosophical concept about the dangers of humans and the growth of knowledge uh, yeah and, and again Starfield isn't perfect but it is a Bethesda RPG and that's what we all wanted right Right? We want when Bethesda announced Starfield, we were excited because Bethesda was making their next new IP and it was going to be a Bethesda RPG, and that's exactly what it was. Whether you agree or disagree that the formula is stale and needs to be upgraded. I personally think it's fine. I think there's obviously room for growth, as there always will be. But I really, really, really love what Starfield did here. You know, uh, you know, there are even the companions that we all know that other games, Bethesda RPGs, have, and they might not be the best, but we have a few that are really awesome. I think that the that the mysterious religious uh, Andresia is is is. Amazingly, she's amazing in, in terms of her characterization, but she's infinitely interesting. You got Sam Cohen, Barrett, all these companions have personalities, emotional resonance, and interesting backstories, and they really elevate those companion missions. Um, I, I think also what they did with New Game Plus uh, is interesting. They made it part of the story in a way that I was not expecting. A lot of games, when you end the game and you do New Game Plus, you're just replaying the game again you know with all your weapons and all that stuff and all things you might have gained but in, in in new game plus with starfield it basically is a a new run at at the already established main quest line and it recontextualizes a lot of stuff it, it changes the dynamic of that main story in ways that you don't expect sometimes it's the same but sometimes it's completely different and i think that they do a lot of interesting stuff throughout the game like that and, and while while starfield at the end of the day may not be the game of the generation which is i repeat Fairly dubbed that so I think without a doubt Bethesda uh, delivered another great Bethesda RPG and it is for me a game that I will be playing for years to come all right we are now in top three territory some of you guys are doing some math there seeing oh he hasn't mentioned this game hasn't mentioned this game I wonder if it'll make it where well, I'm about I'm about to let you know what my number three is and it should be surprised to nobody who's heard our, our show in the last couple of weeks specifically and that's Baldur's Gate 3 a crpg dungeons and dragons game awesome i love no i don't i, I don't like crpgs and i and, and i definitely don't like dungeons and dragons not that i don't like it's just that i never really had a, an experience with them so why would i play this game why would this game be interesting to me Oh yeah, it's because it's one of the most in-depth games I've ever played. It's, it has an infinite or seemingly infinite amount of outcomes, completely missable side quests and companions that can weave in and out of the story and seem essential, but Baldur's Gate 3 finds a way to move forward regardless of the things you do, the people you find, and who you interact with. It's, it really is prepared for anything. You, you might think you're breaking the game because you're doing something out of order, or, or you're skipping something completely, but no, Baldur's Gate is prepared for that, and it is, it is still delivering its narrative in in a way that you wouldn't expect that you could miss so many things, or do so many things, and it still kind of keeps pace with that, and I think that's super, super dope, and then the whole Dungeons and Dragons thing, again, I'm not a person, I'm not a person that's ever played Dungeons and Dragons, don't have a lot of interest in Dungeons and Dragons, but that dice roll mechanic, offers up some incredible story moments uh, you know it offers up resolution or chaos or something in between I've never had so much anxiety pressing the triangle button on my PlayStation 5 to see the outcome of that dice roll am I about to engage in this seemingly uh, unbeatable boss or am I about to or am I about to talk my way out of this damn situation because I, I I'm playing as a as a bard and basically his main uh, form of quote-unquote attack is conversation and trying to get out of these 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 moments and playing as a bard i feel fully rewarded i don't feel like i'm missing out because i'm not playing a a, a dps centric character my my character is based on uh, charming people persuading even decepting people and i think that the game caters to each play style in a way where you when you're playing it you feel like this is probably the way it should be played but no everybody who's playing it with different kind of classes and builds all are enjoying it equally in ways that are it's really impressive because there's so many paths you can take so many of so many conversations, thousands of lines that you'll never hear because of the character you found, and and, and or the character you're playing, and then and, and the build that you have. You might not be able to persuade people, but you can whoop that ass, right? Uh, my, I, I I basically try to talk my way out of every single battle that I possibly can. Uh, but it, it it really is it, it, the 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 sheer amount of choices is quite mind-boggling to be completely honest uh you can make a a pact with the devil or infiltrate his house in hell called the house of hope and rob him of artifacts you know you can choose between saving a a village or letting the orcs kill or you uh, the, the villagers or you can even participate in the killing of the of these um of these uh village people and then just the the more you play and the more you understand the world, the more you can do you can do. The creativity afforded to you uh is 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 is, is amazing. Everything from luring a group of enemies into a bridge and then knocking that bridge down, killing everybody poisoning the grog supply of the of the goblin camp and, and 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 completely wiping out the goblin camp based you know because you did that it, There's so many little things you can do and and, and none of this is told to you it, there's not there's no little thing on the corner saying a, an opportunity to do this or that these are just things that you hey i have i have this Poison. I wonder if I put it here, and it does, and it works, and it does so many of those things, and so many elements uh, throughout this this game that you can use that really uh, cater to to your imagination, your play style, and your personality. I'm really role playing this game in a way that I would role play it without really uh, trying to gamify it or be like, okay, this is what the game wants me to do. No, no, this is what my character wants me to do, and this is what because I want to do it, and this is what I'm gonna do, and it works out. It might not be the outcome that I want, but it still makes sense within the story and i love Baldur's Gate for that i think Baldur's Gate 3 will go down as one of the most important rpgs of all time and for good reason honestly i think a lot of games will try to emulate what Baldur's Gate 3 did with some you know with we might not ever get another Baldur's Gate 3 until maybe Baldur's Gate 4 we'll see if they ever do that uh but as it stands Baldur's Gate 3 my number three game of the year all right top two what will it be well it's really not a surprise my number 2 game of the year is none other than Alan Wake 2. Alan Wake 2 may be a sequel in name to Alan Wake, but it's so much more. It's 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 the moment where all the Remedy ideas come to light and and they flourish in a beautiful way it feels like Sam Lake and everybody at Remedy were always building to this even though that might not be the case it's their expert writing and the way that they are able to, to, to to tell these stories and kind of mix them all up to make everything feel like it was always part of that world is truly truly impressive here everything from Max Payne alan wake even quantum break specifically control all play a hand in making alan wake 2 possible it, it takes massive narrative swings and it never compromises its vision i think that sam lake will go down as one of it will go down as a visual mastermind behind uh, video game development you know i think we talk about kojima and his eye for for making very kojima ass games sam lake is now making very sam lake ass games and he's making decisions and choices throughout the narrative that if you say them out loud may sound crazy. If I describe We Sing portion of the game to you, you're not going to get it. You have to play it all within context. It really, really works. And I know a lot of people who might have played it and felt that maybe that the narrative is a little bit Obtuse, And some even call it pretentious. But I think that that's done to confuse you on purpose. Because these characters. You know Alan Wake and and, and Sage Anderson. Or Saga Anderson sorry. They don't really know what's happening. And you feel that uneasiness as you play it. Because you're not quite sure what it all means. And it all comes to a head at the end. And maybe some some things aren't completely told to you right. Maybe there's some story elements that are left up in the air. But you can tell that they're building to something even more and bigger than what Alan Wake 2 did. And that's super impressive. You know, what what I like about Remedy and what I like about Sam Lake is they could probably make a game that's a little bit more commercialized, that could probably sell a little better, but they don't want to do that. They want to make a game that is you know artistically what they want to do uh, you know aesthetically a game that they really wanted to 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 kind of make and it is a and it definitely is a survival horror game with these really cool uh and, and and kind of twin peak like story moments and, and 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 vibe that no no game has been able to kind of really duplicate what what Remedy has done with their games and and Alan Wake 2 is 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 amazing for those things. Um you know, and Alan Wake also is it is not just a game about confusion and a game about trying to uh, about silly, you know, writer that is Alan Wake, but it also deals with some heavy themes, you know, self sacrifice for the ones you love, uh you know, themes about parenthood when it's all said and done, I think Alan Wake 2 is just a story about love and finding purpose and and that's what Alan Wake is trying to do Alan Wake is trying to save his wife he, you know he's trying to to find his way back to her Sage uh Nisaga Anderson is, is trying to to really uh you know understand what's happening and, and make sure that her daughter is safe all these things that are happening are 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 are, are just so well done and I think that you know Alan Wake 2 is a game that um that is very deep, but at the same time can be enjoyed at a surface level in many ways. And I really love Alan Wake for everything it does. Even though at times I may have been a little frustrated with, with, with the way the story was told, and I thought I was a little bit too, you know, uh, a little too up its ass sometimes. But really, at the end of the day, when it was all said and done, I, I think Alan Wake 2 accomplished everything it wanted and so much more. And I can't wait for more games from Remedy. Okay, that's it. Now we're at our number one game of the year. This is the game that has impacted me the most. This is the game that I've had on my number one spot for a very long time. And I've not, listen, I've, I've waited against the other games on the list. And if it had to go down to two, three, four, five, six, whatever, it would have gone down. But uh, there's no game that came out this year that was able to top what is the Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom I want to get this out of the way right now. The whole aspect of it's more breath of the wild. That shit is dumb. You guys, if that's what you think about this game, you either haven't played it or you're not being honest with yourself. You're being derivative because you're a hater. You're a hating as a hater. Uh, listen, Tears of the Kingdom introduces revolutionary game mechanics that I think anybody would want. At least one of these things in their game and people would be talking about how it revolutionizes how you play games not tears of the kingdom they 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 gave you four of them bitches the most impressive ones for me are Ascend and ultra hand you know you think about this you can ascend through any part of 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 the level as long as there's an overhead over you and you would think oh this will break the game this will it does it 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 works perfectly it's like they knew they knew every and every place that you would You you could use it, send and use it. And once you use it, it works out perfectly. You know, you can ascend into this other. Portion of a cave system that you could not access unless you ascended, and it doesn't tell you to do that. You do it, and all of a sudden you're in this new place. There's treasures to be found. There's even contextual story being told throughout these things. And then you have Ultra Hand, where really you're only limited by your imagination. You can create machines, mechs, penis, um, penis machines that I've seen. These big machines that look like big old dicks. Um, <laughs> you can just do so much. You know, obviously when we talk about imagination. The first thing people want to do is make penises, and they did. They did that, uh, but man, this game really is something special. You know, I think Tears of the Kingdom also fixes the things that were quote unquote wrong with Breath of the Wild. Like they 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 introduced proper temples, and they really created an incredible story. For my money, this is coming from a hardcore Zelda fan like myself. Tears of the Kingdom offers the most engaging and engrossing narratives ever told. And any Legend of Zelda game. It uses Zelda specifically in ways that she's never been used. She's no longer this person that you need to save, even though it may, the story may hint to that or may seem that's what you're doing, but it it evolves into something else she is making decisions uh, on her own she's making decisions decisions that will save Hyrule okay Link is only her her basically the person who is executing her plan he he's just uh, a pawn in all of this Zelda is the mastermind in everything and I think the way that they handle that is absolutely amazing the stories that they tell in the past and how that informs the future the decisions that she makes that has ramifications a thousand years into the future that final boss fight is absolutely phenomenal but finding that master sword the moment you do that and I won't spoil it here but the moment you do that I've never experienced finding a master sword quest in any Zelda game like that one that one completely blew me away and, and and put everything into place in terms of its narrative and it's so beautifully told You know, it's it was I was shocked by how good it was, because one of the things going into it and and we talked about on the show as well was I hope that this has a better narrative. And in my mind, I just wanted something that was better than Breath of the Wild. And what I got was the best story ever told in a Zelda game, which is. I would never would have expected that, you know, with so much that this game offers with its sandbox open world, I just never thought they would focus on a narrative as good as this and they sure as hell did that. But speaking of that open world, I mean, you got the addition of the depths, you got the addition of the sky islands, all that literally adding depth and, and verticality to that map. It, it, it's really amazing. It, it, I don't think, I don't think you, you really understand how incredible this is when you're on the top of a skyline and you can dive straight down and then proceed to bypass Hyrule and dive into the depths you know and, uh, which is basically Hyrule reverse or, or in terms of the map down there and it's completely dark and you have to kind of it's kind of like a hard mode you go down there you forge yourself get, get some light out there and kind of remap that whole bottom part of the map uh, and uh, it rewards you with amazing um, you know uh these tunics the from old games and all this stuff like that. It's it's it does such a good job with rewarding you for exploration. They knew where you were going. Every nook and cranny is filled with something. It, it, this game is just absolutely amazing. That physics engine that they have, whatever the fuck they're doing there, they really know how to make this game, huh? Man, it is playing, it is working on a, on a, on a, on a, on a switch system that when it came out it was already uh, redundant it was already uh, outclassed by so many other things and still they managed to make one of the most beautiful games of the year it might lack in performance compared to other games but because of the game is so well done because the game is is executed perfectly with its vision that you kind of you, you kind of forgive it for its lackluster performance at times but man as a zelda fan I couldn't ask for a better game. It's it, it, it's it's in my top 10 games of all time. It's not going to quite surpass the likes of, of, of Ocarina of Time because I was in a moment as a child with Ocarina of Time that no other game can replicate, right? Nostalgia does, does definitely play a role there because it's the game, Ocarina of Time is the game, that f- helped me love Zelda. But Tears of the Kingdom is a game that has reignited my love for Zelda, even though I've always loved it, but it really has made me it was like a reward for being a Zelda fan for so long. Not that we've had bad Zelda games, because we rarely ever have those, but have a Zelda game that is beyond anything I expected. You know, it started with Breath of the Wild, and, it, and it's ended here with Tears of the Kingdom, giving me an experience and finishing it off with... Th- and i keep repeating the narrative part of it because it's so amazing you know this is a game about exploration about moments and it has all that and it's a game that you can play over and over and over and still find amazing incredible things there is nothing like tears of the kingdom and that is why it is my favorite number one best game of the year and it's going to go down as one of my favorite games of all time when it's all said and done There you guys have it. That is my uh, top 10 and my honorable mentions. I'm going to go over all those real quick. That way you know exactly uh, where I stand. My number five honorable mention is Forza Motorsport. My number four honorable mention is Super Mario Bros. Wonder. My number three honorable mention is Star Wars Jedi Survivor. My number two honorable mention is Venba, And my number one. Honorable mention is like a dragon and the man who erased his name. Top 10 games, starting with number 10, Assassin's Creed Mirage. Number 9, Hi-Fi Rush. Number 8, Hogwarts Legacy. Number 7, Oxenfree 2, Lost Signals. Number 6, Resident Evil 4 Remake. Number 5, Lies of P. Number 4, starfield number three baldur's gate three number two alan Wake two and number one the legend of zelda tears of the kingdom there you guys have it uh, i hope you guys enjoyed the show uh, I, I i really think that this year is was a great year for video games i cannot wait for 2024 and what that brings but till then i'll see you guys next week peace out
0: all right ladies and gentlemen I think it's safe to say that our work here is finally complete. We teamed up to deliberate and decide cool down times, top 10 games of 2023. We turned around and split off and gave you our personal top 10 games of 2023 with honorable mentions as well. I think it's pretty safe to say that we have left no stone unturned when it comes to celebrating all of our favorite games of the year. So with that being said, I think it's time to leave 2023 in the rear view and focus on the year to come but not before saying thank you we really appreciate you for listening to this week's episode and for being a part of our game of the year coverage as this is the culmination of all the things that me and Pablo have talked about all year long in a way that celebrates and admires the industry its talented teams and all the amazing games that we got a chance to play if you enjoy this kind of content look you know what we're going to ask you to do you know what this is (laughs) if you're new to the show we'd love for you to subscribe to the show because this is the type of content that we love putting out. And as two guys that love talking about video games in a positive, constructive manner, we hope that you found something that you can enjoy out of us, even if you don't agree with all of our opinions. So that sounds good to you. Go ahead and subscribe to us wherever you listen to us. If you are a long time listener, can't thank you enough. You've been instrumental in motivating and inspiring me and Pablo to keep doing this thing week after week for you. All we ask is if you haven't done so already, take a few seconds to grab your phone, go into wherever you're listening to our show right now, and if it happens to have a rating system, please take a few seconds to put five stars in, type a couple of nice words about me and Pablo, hit send, and get on with your day. That does amazing things for our show in terms of boosting us up search results and algorithms, and just ultimately getting more eyes on our show from listeners like you who might be looking for an alternative out there. Nevertheless, Whether you're a new listener or a long-time listener, we thank you all the same for being a part of this week's episode. We hope you have a safe, healthy, and happy new year. We hope you play lots of video games, have lots of great experiences, and that you never, ever, ever, ever turn into a fucking fanboy, all right? Because in which case, we're going to disown you. Just letting you know. Don't say we didn't warn you, motherfucker. All right, we're out of (laughs) here. Take it easy, guys. Have a good day. Make me feel good.